0: Hello again, everybody, and welcome into another edition of Political Beats. It's a presentation of National Review. You can find us on Twitter, at political underscore beats. We also invite you to subscribe to our feed for new episodes just as soon as they're released. Check us out on iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, or TuneIn. Plus, right there on the website, nationalreview.com, on the podcast tab, you'll find us there as well. We invite you to listen, enjoy, share, and leave reviews for us as well Uh, any of those locations. My name is Scott Bertram. You can find me on Twitter at Scott Bertram. My tag team partner, as always, standing by Jeff Blair. Jeff.
1: Well, Scott, I'm not crazy about... Podcasts that get self-referential, you know. And I know I know some of this stuff should be kept confidential. But the truth is, is that we've been doing this show longer than you've been alive. <laughs> what is it now? Forty-four good episodes out of
0: forty-five. Uh, that sounds about right to me. And everyone has to guess what the one bad episode is of those forty-five. Just kidding. I, I think they're all good. Uh, find Jeff on Twitter at esotericcd. This, by the way, the show where we uh, we invite in. Political people, people in politics, around politics, covering politics, opining on politics, analyzing, uh, or perhaps just even serving in politics and talk to them about nothing political whatsoever, but only about music and our guests chosen band or artist. We bring in our guest for today's program. She is a political reporter for the Capital Times in Wisconsin, host of the Wisconsin Politics Podcast called Wedge Issues, featuring interviews with candidates, strategists, and other players in the Wisconsin politics world. Available the same place as you find this fine podcast as well. Find her on Twitter at jessieopie, O-P-I-E. Opie She's Opoyan. Jesse, thank you for jumping on the Political Beats Podcast.
2: Thank you so much for having me. I cannot believe there is a space in the world where I get to have this very conversation. It's
0: great. <laughs> <laughs> we, have, we have created it, and we are, we are so glad that you're here. So before we get to uh, to the band that we'll be talking about through the podcast today, we find a little bit more about you, Jesse Opoyan. Tell us a little bit about uh, your political beat, your political job, and, and how you arrived there.
2: Well, I am uh, what I like to call a Wisconsin-Iowa hybrid in that I was born in Iowa, but I grew up in a tiny town in northeastern Wisconsin, right on the border of Wisconsin and upper Michigan. So much like you could see Russia from your house, I could see the UP. <laughs> and I went to college at Iowa State and studied journalism, and then I moved back to Wisconsin. So I've just been kind of a ping pong ball going back and forth um, these last, most well, most of my life, really. Uh, So my first job out of college was with a little daily newspaper in Oshkosh, Wisconsin, and there I covered a lot of local government and miscellany, um, covered the 2012 presidential election as it uh, came through Wisconsin at the time. And about five years ago, I moved down to Madison, which is, of course, where our state capital is located. And here I cover state government and politics. Um, Spent a little bit of time back in Iowa when our governor, Scott Walker, ran for president, um, My ping pong ball got bounced again, but, (laughs) um, yeah, you know, it's, it's steak legislature, the state legislature, uh, the governor, a little bit of the federal delegation, um, presidential primaries and elections as they relate to the state, which um, has been sort of increasingly so in these last few elections. Um, But I actually also before I got this job, spent about six months covering uh, music and news for the Cap Times while I was hoping to get the political job. And so in that (laughs) time, I got to interview uh, the lead singer of the band we're going to be talking about today a couple times
0: which the band we will be discussing is a little band from texas half the band still lives there called uh, old 97s and uh, they're they one of the pioneers of the alt country movement during the uh, the mid to late 90s they are still going strong today 25 i guess plus years at this point and um, and uh, as I sold this to Jeff, as we were talking, I said, "There's just there's just not a lot of drama here, man. Four guys, <laughs> the same guys in the band from day one until right now. Uh, you know, no no drug issues that have been highly publicized, no arrests, no 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 threats to quit, no no giant pop hits either. I suppose, but it's really about the music. And so we turned the the floor over to Jesse to tell us about how you came." to love this band, Old 97s, and uh, why you love them and why anyone else should care about the Old 97s.
2: So, I was introduced to the Old 97s about 10 years ago, which I just did the math and that kind of blew my mind. That is longer than I realized. But, (laughs) um, as you mentioned, they've been around for a pretty long time, so I've um, I was a little late to the party, I guess, since I was just a a kiddo when they got their start in the early 90s. But, uh, I was a freshman in college and I've always had pretty broad musical tastes and at that point in time I just I had an appetite for anything I hadn't heard before I was just always kind of looking for my next favorite thing and it was sort of a new thing to be able to look on the internet and find new music so just like searching for music was basically my hobby at this time Um, but at this particular point in my life I wasn't really listening to anything in the alt country genre that the old 97s are often described as, um, so at the time, I I mean, I was listening to like pop punk, kind of ridiculous, you know, late teenage things that that we (laughs) find ourselves liking at odd points in our lives. But a friend of mine decided that I needed to up my musical game a little bit and made me a mixed CD uh, back when you still did that. And I don't remember what else was on it, but I remember the old 97s and the drive-by truckers were on it. And it's, it took me a little bit longer to come around on the drive-by truckers, who, of course, I also love now. But I was immediately sold on the old '97s, and I can remember there were three songs on the CD or a handful of CDs at this point. But um, "Big Brown Eyes," "Doreen," and "Valentine" were the first old '97 songs I heard. And I just loved everything about it. Um, you know, they're I think kind of accessible, but in the years to come, I've found myself listening to them pretty pretty frequently. Um, it's I, I think about you know, Rhett's voice. Rhett Miller, the lead singer, has this sort of simultaneous vulnerability and bravado, and um, Murray's bass and, and Phillips' drums kind of work together to make all of the sounds like. The songs sound like a train coming down the track, and you've got just this intense, twangy, wailing guitar from Ken, the guitarist, and it just, it all comes together, and it feels very Texas, uh, which you mentioned, that's thats where their roots are, um, but it somehow feels like home uh, to me when I listen to it, even though I grew up in the northern half of the country um, but you know they they're good storytellers they've got these just really wonderful descriptions of love lost and found and youthful misadventures and in more recent years um, some of the growing pains of spending more than two decades together as a band and uh, the live shows I think are a huge component for me I've I just think I, I think I attended my 11th full 97 show earlier this summer and over the years, I have come to sort of run into some of the same people mm-hmm. at these shows and meeting people in the world who I you know don't know when we find out that we all like the old 97s. I, I think just their fans are some of the best people that I've met. And so that is my fandom in a nutshell.
1: Scott, why don't you go before I do? Because, of course, I'm the one who who's going to make an embarrassing admission at the end of this.
0: <laughs> well, I'll tell you, I, I I was actually trying to figure out the first time I heard that. I, I'm, you know, I, I was uh, I was and still am uh, just a, a big fan of that alt-country scene of the mid-90s and the late 90s. And there was a point when I was just you know devouring all kinds of uh, you know all the music available you know but i i had had a few of the 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 albums that were probably like the bottle rockets and the brooklyn side and, and uh, they had the Jayhawks and Tomorrow the Green Grass very early. And so that, then branching out, and I was in the Chicago area. And you find out there's this great record label called Bloodshot in Chicago that was putting out all these great alt-country albums. And I was rating their catalog. And so I'm pretty sure the, the very first thing I heard from old 97s was, was Wreck Your Life. And the first song on that album, which was Victoria. And that, that's one that'll sell you. Maybe, maybe not, not quite as hard as Time Bomb from, from the next album. But Victoria's a great song.
3: This is the story here have been
0: direct your life and then from there I mean I haven't stopped loving the band since that time and that you know that encompasses uh, <laughs> about 20 years or so at this point but they are to me one of the most consistent bands out there and we'll discuss all the albums there's there's not a bad album in this bunch and they are always good for depending on the album say two to five to times nine really transcendently fabulous songs there's always that one or those two standout tracks on every single album that makes it worth purchasing and worth owning and i i I actually posted this on twitter uh last week there there are uh, uh, contemporaneous reviews of uh i think it's satellite rise when it came out in pitchfork and in the av club and pitchfork says the old 97s are a band that doesn't really change their sound at all. They always sound like this and they have twang and this. And the other review said the old 97s changed their sound every album. They went from, you know, country to a little poppy and then this and then this. I, I, I think if it's possible, I mean, both are true in that if you hear an old 97 song, you hear those four guys, right? I mean, Rhett's voice, which is so distinctive. You hear Murray's harmony vocals, which again, just melt so perfectly in his bass playing. Ken's very distinctive kind of surf country uh, guitar leads and guitar uh, you know, rhythms. And then uh, Phil Peoples, who is is really a great drummer and plays both, you know, kind of that country shuffle, but also plays kind of that 1950s sun record sound at times. All four of those ingredients are identifiable on just about every old 97s album and song. And yet, yeah, they do kind of, you know, shape shift a bit from album to album. We'll get into that as we go along. I've loved this band for, again, 20 years now. I've been to not as many as Jesse. I, I think I've been to, I was trying to figure out, I think I've been to four old 97 shows through the years. They're an insanely good live band. And one of the bands on a short list, I don't know how many bands there are on the list, but I'll you know, i I'll buy whatever, whatever is new from them, sight unseen, because that's how much uh, joy they've brought me through their time as being uh, a band in my life.
1: Okay, so Scott, we've done 44 shows, right? Fair this is this, yeah. this is number 44 with a bullet. Um, and there have been, you know, for many of these episodes, you know, there have been uh, acts that I have brought to you and it said, you know, so-and-so wants to do talk-talk with us. And you're like, well, uh, okay, <laughs> well, I guess I'm going to learn about this band. Or yeah. like, you know, hey, today it's Nine Inch Nails or King Crimson. And you'll come to me and say, like yeah, you know, today we're going to be doing, um you know, uh, Ryan Adams or, or Wilco. Of course, those aren't fair because I was fans of them back in the day too but like we, we will you know we will bring each other, you know, you know, pitches and, you know, guests uh, you know that we're not necessarily hugely familiar with. Cheap trick is another great example. Ban I knew barely anything about before we did them. Uh, then I'm embarrassed to say this, that I had literally A guy who cares so much about musical knowledge and musical history. I had not even heard of the name of this band before you recommended them to us. Not even the name. You said, like, oh, yeah, we got somebody who really wants to do old 97s. I'm like, what? What's that? And I was just, you know, you, Scott, Jesse, you just so you know, Scott's been sort of, you know, pushing this one, mentioning it for, I mean, at least a month or two or something like that. (laughs) You know, it's like, yeah, you know, we we got the old 97s. I'm like, well, okay. And I just sort of, like, glossed over it. I have no idea who those people even are. Um, <laughs> I'm mortified to admit this now because this is right up there with you know, any other group that we have covered in terms of a band who I wasn't really super familiar with, discography wise. In terms of one of the most wonderful discoveries of this show, for you know, we're doing this for a year and a half now, uh, from a group that I did not even know existed to a band that I'm just kind of like Scott. Uh, like the next thing they put out. I'm on board. Was, you know, I've started from the beginning of their career, I've gone all the way to their last one, and uh, they're still making music that's every bit as vital and as interesting as what they had. What, you know, what, during their you know quote commercial heyday, although they never had like a really big commercial heyday. Their major label era, let's <laughs> put it that way. Um, the consistency is the thing that just blows my mind. They don't ever put a foot wrong. Uh, there's there's an album, Scott told me, we'll get to it, where he says, like oh, I think that's the weakest in their catalog. That's not a very good album. So I, I got to it thinking, well, this isn't going to be very good. <laughs> and then I started listening to it. It was like, this is a great record. <laughs> it's, like, it's like, this is maybe relatively weaker than the others, I suppose. But this is a great record. How do they keep doing this? I have no idea how Rhett Miller, for 25 years, keeps on putting out these incredibly consistent albums that are just a pleasure to listen to. Now, the sound does not change that much. I would argue, in fact, I was surprised. I was expecting this to be like a Wilco trip. You know, like Wilco started off, you know, from Uncle Tupelo, and then that very early country rock sound on AM, and then on being there, they start to mutate, and then Summer Teeth, my God, they've completely changed. Mm-hmm. And, you know, by the time they get to, like, Yankee Hotel Foxtrot and The Ghost is Born, you can barely hear the country in that music anymore. All 97s are different this is this is definitely to the present day the country rock through line is there and it's clearly easy to hear but the sound is just so pure it's so well recorded this is a really well recorded band their first two albums I actually don't like that much we'll talk about them because I don't think they had like mastered the way they wanted the ensemble to sound on tape but everything from that point onward just you know hits you like a freight train like an old 97 as a matter of fact like a freight train it hits you it's so well put together and the other thing I just want to say as an opening statement is that I'm Truly impressed by Rhett Miller as a lyricist. He's just a great discovery for me as a country lyricist. He, he, he You know, we think about the difference between like normal, like rock lyrics or prog lyrics. You know, prog lyrics are like sort of airy fairy and like you know, like pretentious with lots of you know, poetic and mythological references and you know, like science fiction stuff. Then you think about rock lyrics, and it's like, "Ooh, baby, gonna make you feel my love." You know, it's kind of a little more simple (laughs) and kind of like you know, you know, sometimes downright moronic, but in a good way. Um, You know, and then you know, of course, you have the poetic side with people like Dylan or the Vu. But then you have the country style, which is. Is very plaintive and straightforward. These songs are songs that are telling stories, they're character sketches, they're confessionals, even if the, char- you know, the singer is singing in a persona. And you know, it can get maudlin and it can get cliche so easily, so often. And in fact, that's kind of why I find most commercial country to be basically unbearable you know, the modern pop country sounds, Mm -hmm. I just, with the the, the cliche pedal steel guitars and then strings in the background, it just makes me want to stick an ostrich feather down my throat. (laughs) I hate it. Uh, Rhett Miller is such a good lyricist. Mm -hmm. He takes that style and he turns it into just some of the most brilliant character writing that you could ever hope to hear. And I'm just, I literally just took notes on some of my favorite lyrics from these songs from all the way from the beginning of their career to the end. You know the way he can turn like almost a pedestrian cliche of a country or an alt-country cliche into something really probing and con- and confessional and revealing and, and, and more profound than it might seem on the surface. That's a trick, man. That's a real skill. And so that's one of the reasons why I just think this band is, is such a wonderful discovery. Aside from all the other stuff, like I, I'm 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 becoming a real big fan of Ken Bithay. He's mm-hmm. a great guitarist, um, and so uh, again, you know, it, you know, I, as somebody who likes to really kind of like take pride in the fact that, well, I know almost all the important stuff in music. I'm pre- very well versed and well informed guy. Here, here's my confession: I feel like a clown saying it. I never knew who these guys were prior to about two and a half weeks ago, and I'm really, really enjoying the fact that I now know their entire discography.
0: <laughs> <laughs> well, we start. Uh, on this band. And, and again, there's not like some sort of weird origin story. It's Rhett and Murray basically founded the band and got Philip and. Got Ken and, and there's your old 97s. Uh, they were popular on the on the bar scene, the bar band scene in Dallas in the in the early 90s, and uh, and eventually got to uh, to release a, a, an album called Hitchhike to Rome. Get that in a second. But the, the band itself, named after the wreck of the old 97, also a Jutty Cash tune. But the actual wreck was a train disaster. Trains a recurring motif in Old 97s work, of course. Uh, Due to excessive speed, train derailed in Virginia, careened off the side of a bridge, killing 11 on board, injuring seven others, and uh, um, and, and that's where the name comes from, and some of their music, of course, is right in line with the idea of a a train barreling off the tracks and careening off a bridge. We get a little bit of that on this debut back in 1994 called Hitchhike to Rome, released on a... On an independent label. Later uh, remastered, re-released. It's out there. It's available if you want to, if you want to grab it. Uh, and a lot of these songs are going to pop up uh, in in later editions of uh, albums in the future. They'll, they'll rewrite, they'll not re- rewrite so much as re-record some of these tracks for 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 later albums. We'll turn back to Jessie and first get her thoughts on this debut album. Hitchhike to Rome. By the way, Rome spelled R H, just like Rhett Miller, Jesse. Yeah,
1: it, it, <laughs> is it like a small town in Texas, Rome. That's that's the that's it, it is. Yeah, that's,
2: yeah that's that's right. I I believe, and now I, I could be wrong, but I believe that it is the hometown of, of Murray, the bassist. Um, oh, there you go. But yes, um, but also spelled like like Rhett. Um, yeah, I mean one one thing before we really dig deep into into the. Um, catalog which i was thinking about as you guys were talking about the consistency of the sound and it's something that uh the last time i did an interview with rat miller was 2015 so i think it was right after most messed up came out which is one of their more recent albums and he said he told me he he they have been adamant about keeping a continuum quality to their sound and i like that way of putting it because it does feel like um you know they kind of that that thread runs throughout and they almost the, the way he put it, get more experimental midway through the career and then return to their roots a little bit, <laughs> um, which we'll get into. But um, yeah, Hitchhike to Rome uh, came out in 1994. And it is really interesting to think about. I mean, it compared to the other records that they put out, it's much more honky tonk. I mean, it sounds like something you would stumble into a bar and hear and you know probably want to go check that band out again it's much more unpolished than their other records but it's still really solid work and uh it's it's sort of the place where they work out early versions of some songs that end up really becoming staples of the old 97's catalog so you've got murray doing a great cover of mama tried Mm -hmm. uh, which is still Uh, just delightful
1: (laughs) it's actually the best soon. song on this album in my opinion is <laughs> the cover of mama tried
2: yeah it's it's terrific um you know what there there are songs on here that reappear later uh, four leaf clover is one that i prefer the later version and we'll get to that when it when it comes to that album but i think for me the key track possibly besides mama tried is uh wish the worst mm-hmm. which is yeah um just a hell of a i guess anti-love song it, it's just I, I hope you crash your mama's car. I hope you uh, wake up in some bar. And you, you end up wishing the worst for your current or ex lover. But um, it's it's a hell of a sing along, and I, I just kind of appreciate the acidity of that
3: song. I hope you-
0: Yeah, this is, I, I explained this to uh, Jeff saying it's kind of primordial stuff, meaning all the elements are hanging around and you can see where they might come together on future albums, but... It's a lot more sparse. The The songs are a lot simpler. It doesn't sound, have that freight train sound quite yet. It still has that, I think Jesse said, you know, like a bar, bar band country sound. You can kind of, the, the, the power is not there quite yet. And, and the, the songs, the best of them are, are reused later on. So you, you have them in these, in these original forms. Yes, Mama Tried. It, this is the introduction to Murray Hammond on vocals, who usually does two or sometimes just one song on each album. And Murray's such an important part of the band. It, you know his harmony vocals on Rhett songs are fantastic. When he takes the lead, generally it's one of the highlights on the album. And, and this year we hear that that kind of country soul that he brings to the band in picking out this, this this Merle Haggard song and and featuring it on on Hitchhike to Rome. Yeah, which Wish the worst, which I think is the only song in the in the old '97s uh, catalog in which Ken doesn't play guitar. There's a couple other guys who play guitar yeah. on, on on Wish the Worst. But yeah, that that's where we first get a hint, I think, of Rhett's songwriting, which is gonna which is gonna evolve very quickly and get better very quickly. But this this narrative of, of a guy waiting for his girlfriend or ex-girlfriend to return home and saying all these terrible things he wishes might happen to her, yeah, that's that's a that's a theme. All right, this is gonna happen again and again in the old '97s uh, songs. And I think that the first song on the record, too, Saint Ignatius, again. If they did this four or five years later, it would sound different. It would be more powerful. There'd be a more punch behind it. But it's a it's a pretty good introduction to exactly what they were doing in 1994. and It's, it's a good song. You know, is it essential? I don't know if Hitchhack to Rome is an essential album in in the collection. It's one. I mean, I have them all, of course. But 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 it's it's one that uh, that certainly gives you a peek as as to what might happen on, on the next album.
1: Wait, okay, so, so for Hitchhack to Rome and wreck your life these first two albums i I have to say like i I wasn't terribly impressed remember i'm the guy starting from absolute scratch and what do you do you put them all together in a playlist and you just plod on from point a to point b right i put on this and, and what i think to myself is that i remember in the i guess it would have been the early 2000s it took that much time for me late 90s maybe was when I first became aware of the whole no depression movement, you know, the sort of alt country movement. Uh, I think it was first through Uncle Tupelo and Wilco. And then Whiskey Town and Ryan Adams. Uh, those are the, the two ones that I, I knew back then even. Uh, but before I had ever heard anything that was that was in that genre, I had a conception in my mind of what it would sound like, and it wasn't a great conception. I thought, well, it's gonna be, you know, mostly kind of, you know, standard standard country-ish cliches with a stronger <laughs> backbeat and maybe some excellent guitar playing, some surprising guitar flash in the solos. And that to me is what Hitchhiker to Rome's. Sounds like. I, I don't think this is a great album. I mean, I think, like, you know, if you, I'm trying to get someone into old 97s, it's a don't start here. Go back here when you, when you really, you know, you've heard everything else and you like want to mm-hmm. hear the origin story of the band. I think it's, it's, it's not a bad record, but I don't really hear much here that distinguishes itself. And I also think it's just so telling that on these first two records, they felt free to sort of plunder them for what they thought the best material was and re record them later on. So, like, Four Leaf Clover, the song is a good song they don't do a great performance of it here they just rip the crap out of it on too <laughs> far to care uh, we will get to that uh, but here i don't really hear it that well doreen they had to re-record. they re-recorded doreen on the next album for that matter and it's much better as a rock thing than it is on that sort of bluegrassy kind of version although i do like the bluegrass banjo approach yeah the the best song on this record and of course i'm I've always been a fan of Merle Haggard and I've always been a fan of the Grateful Dead who who made Mama Tried one of their live standards as well. So hearing in Murray just kind of knock off Mama Tried and do such a, an assured version of it. it was a real pleasure. And I really liked this cover of it. First
3: thing I remember knowing was lonesome whistle blowing And a youngin's dream of growing up to ride One and only rebel child From a family making and mild My mama seemed to know I'd lay in store Despite all my Sunday learning Too bad I kept on turning Till so my mama couldn't hold me anymore And I turned 20
1: By the way, the other thing I really like about Murray Hammond uh, and the, you know, I, I just, for some reason, this appeals to me so much is that he looks like your accountant. Um, <laughs> he, he, you know, the bass player of the band. I mean, he, he started off looking like you know he was a young associate at Deloitte and Touche, and now even more so, he looks like the guy <laughs> the guy, guy who does your estate planning for you. It's
2: the glasses he's got. It's the glasses, thick rim glasses.
1: But yeah. even like, as he's gotten older, and like you know, his hair's a little longer, and it's gotten a little gray, and you know, he just he just looks like you know the friendly dad next door who goes to work. In the office, instead, exactly. he's the bassist in a you know a hell for leather country rock band. <laughs> it's, it's just, yeah, you know, it, I just love that sort of counterintuitive because you know like Red Miller, he looks like a rock star. He's like handsome and thin, and he's got the hair and he's got the attitude. But yeah, Murray, Murray is, is the guy that I can relate to because let's be honest, I look like an accountant too. Um, you know, and I guess you know, you know I'm not gonna to-
2: throw in a plug and say I think Murray is pretty handsome too.
1: <laughs> yeah, I can see it. I can see it. And, and by the way, I take that as a compliment myself.
2: yeah you
1: can take that because you know as a guy who who has the Marie look you know that's that's who I want people to like you know and that by the way I guess brings us to Wreck Your Life which is the second album and this one I think they switched to like an actual this is what's the Bloodshot Records right and so this is like the famous alt country no depression label this is 95 so we're still kind of like when this movement is like young and rebellious like you know know, it isn't it hasn't become a cliche yet it's still like a big thing Uncle Tupelo had just begun themselves for that matter Um, this one is better for sure than Hitchhike to Rome but and I know Scott and you probably too Jesse are going to disagree with me that I don't hear the sound there yet the ensemble sound there isn't isn't there yet I think there are songs in here that almost feel like like kind of dip, like cliches in a disappointing way like like wife or wife right <laughs> yeah you know, I, you know i mean I you just even see that title and you think okay this is going to be playing on a jukebox <laughs> somewhere and <in> like <laughs> you know des moines or, or something like that um yeah doreen is good it's better in the rock version victoria i know scott likes i know a lot of people like it even made it onto their greatest hits i don't really love it that much i mean i think that the best song on here is again one that they would re-record to much better effect later and that's Big Brown Eyes. Mm-hmm. That's a great song, but again it tells you the difference between old ninety sevens before they finally fully figured out how they wanted to sound. Um it, the difference is easily apparent in this wreck your life version of big brown eyes versus the one that they were going to do on uh you know, on their next album. I mean, it's just, or no, this wasn't their next album. No, it was. Yeah. yeah. It was on to yeah. care. So much better, such a tighter sound. So like, I'm the only guy here who's going to say something bad about wreck your life. So I'll shut up and let <laughs> you guys talk about it. <laughs>
2: Well, Jeff, I'm going to disagree with you on Doreen. Um, I do prefer the bluegrass version. But yeah. um, that being said, it's a it's a good rocker, too. It's fun when they play it live to, to do that. Um, you know, I think this... I don't entirely disagree with you in that I don't think they have fully found their sound yet on this album either. I do think it's better than Hitchhike to Rome. Um, I like Victoria. I think it's a strong start. I also think when you look at the track list of this album, you can start to see this theme of the Rhett Miller songbook of just all of these women Mm -hmm. who, um, you know, some of it's, it, it can be fun to kind of figure out the origin stories of, of some of the women in these songs. But, um, yeah, I would agree with you. Big Brown Eyes being one of the songs that really sucked me into the band. The, this is not the best version of it. And I don't know that I would sit around and listen to it. Um, I don't know that I, I have a whole mm. lot else to say on Wreck Your Life. It's a it's decent, you know, It's it's got its place in that it formed the foundation for where they go next, but it's not one that I return to a ton.
1: But Scott, All this right. is where I you started oh, with I the forgot, I forgot one, oh, actually. I forgot yeah? one. Yeah.
2: <laughs> the, the Other Shoe. The Other Shoe is the, the exception for me on this album. Uh, cool. I think that is uh, a great song. I think it's good songwriting, and it... Uh, Ends up, they they released a version uh, a few years later, actually many years later, that they recorded with Waylon Jennings. And I think um this is where we start to see some of the fun wordplay from Rat Miller. Yeah. So there's uh, it's it's sort of a, a doomed love affair. Man, uh his this man's wife thinks that he's going out of town and, he's and hiding her lover over, yeah. and he's hiding under the bed <laughs> while this happens. And Um, you know, it it turns into kind of a murder story. So the the line, you'll take I-35 south towards Laredo, then you'll try to find a doctor who can prescribe an Mm -hmm. elixir that'll make everything better except your late wife and her lover, is, I think, great songwriting. And there's a great story that goes along with it from when they recorded it later with Waylon Jennings. Um, There's a New York Times interview with Rhett Miller where he says he had to...
1: He, Waylon Johnson was having this, a hard time. Sorry, it's so good. Okay. He, right. he was
2: having a hard time saying elixir. He kept saying Excelsior. <laughs> so Rhett Miller suggested using the phrase, Annie licks her. And he was like, You're sick. That's great. And it helps. <laughs> yes. So every time I'm singing along with that song, that's where I'm going now. <laughs>
0: Well, uh I yeah, I will I will defend this album. Uh it's not in my top two, but it, it I, I return to it often. And I'll start by saying Jesse is one hundred percent correct. The other shoe I think yeah. is the first classic Rhett Miller song. Those lyrics are perfect. Uh, you know, how is it not, you know, a George Jones song or you know Buck Owens do a co-write? It's you know it's Red it song. It
1: feels like 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 a like an old crusty old yeah. guy who would have yep. written that thing, and not some like what was, what was Red Miller? He was like twenty four or something like yeah. that. It was yeah. like
0: I'm always amazed that you know, young people who can pull that kind of grizzled tone off so well. <laughs> and, and Jesse took part of that second verse, which I think, again, in a perfect song, that second verse is the most perfect part of the perfect song. The dig a double grave, uh, uh a verse that, that Jesse had quoted and, and ends with, you know, she sealed her fate and gotten herself killed. It's a perfect verse. You'll dig a double
3: grave out in the meadow. And you'll curse the ra-
0: getting where it needs to be it reaches you know the crescendo right at the end of that verse as well it's just it's just i think the first perfect old 97 song yeah i love victoria i think doreen's better here in the high speed high octane version i want to point out about doreen too is you know ken's in the right channel if you listen on headphones and he's doing his thing and it's fantastic Rhett, as an acoustic guitarist um doesn't get talked about quite as much but he's really good. And uh, he was asked at one point, what's his strength as a musician? And he said, I can strum really fast. (laughs) <laughs> um and, and that, that's evident in, in Doreen, right? It's in the left channel strumming really fast and Ken's tearing it up in the right channel. And and I think Doreen's better than this version than, than the bluegrass version. I also want to point out there there's some there's kind of a song cycle here too that I didn't get until a couple of years ago. You know, certainly there's the songs of heartache and, and lost love and, and you well, know, death and, and murder. When you get toward the end of the album, there's three straight tracks um that I that I like a lot. Old Familiar Stream which has this very spooky kind of shrouded quality to it, audio uh, audio wise, and you go from like this heartbreak into these last three songs, like a, a, a dark acceptance of of the outcome of a, of a bad relationship. Old familiar stream has. The lyric, you know, the point of all this living is the dying still to come. And then you get the John Langford tune from the Mekons uh, and the Waco brothers called Over the Cliff, uh, with, you know, it's hard to tell at times if life is burden uh, is a burden or a gift. Um, and then Go and Go and Gone, which closes the album. Um, and and it's just a, it's, it's a kiss off song, right? You can find you a boyfriend and he won't like my cat.
3: you going to find me a boat and a brand new name gonna find some wall out weak need european dame she'll be my wife and you'll only be a song i'm going i'm going i'm going i'm
0: going i'm going I'm and so i i the the song cycle here I I, I like too, in, in the way that, that it ends with like this just resignation and acceptance of bad of love gone bad and I'll mention here too I don't know if anyone else has anything to say about the early tracks compilation which I was, was about okay. to mention early tracks so, I was going to make <laughs> dang,
1: damn it Scott because so, by the way Scott is the one who supplied me with early tracks so thank you <laughs> <laughs> but like I was about to say that I, I think I kind of enjoyed that more yeah. than
0: Wreck Your Life there's some really good stuff on early tracks I'll, I'll mention a few and then you know Jeff can, can, can I'm just going to say
1: Crying Drunk that's Cryin a great song
0: oh, yeah. I think it's Murray's uh, Sound of Running is just magnificent it's a slower song you know, Mur- when Murray gets his hands in to a slower song. That generally goes very well. Oh, yeah. Sound of Running is great. Eyes for You has this wonderful walking guitar line. I love singing along to poor favor uh, at full volume. It's a really, a couple of those are singles that were put up by Bloodshot. The rest are rejects from Wreck Your Life, but they would have fit right in on the album. And, and it, it, if you're Jeff, well, Jeff liked it, but if, you, if you're if you like me and you really like Wreck Your Life, there's nothing you won't like on early tracks.
1: I didn't understand why these, well, most of them were outtakes. I thought like, you know, when you know, I saw early tracks, it was like, I just sort like, of slotted it in after wreck your life it's like all right this is bootleg b-side quality <laughs> stuff and i was like i actually prefer this better than most of the album but of course the, the funny thing is and of course you know it's a good thing i'm, I'm, I'm not going to try to lie or front about this because scott has all the receipts in these emails i i even emailed him to say um you know i'm sitting here i'm going through the discography i listened to the first two albums and i'm feeling kind of mad like you know you really <laughs> sold them to me as something great scott i, I I don't know, they're okay, but nothing to write home about and then all of a sudden i get to too far to care which is the third album by the old 97s and it's their first major label album apparently there was a huge bidding war to sign these guys yep. you know i guess the all-country music movement had gotten really hot because wilco would come out of that too so like you know and then they they moved in and uncle or uh, sun volt as well and so they everybody wanted to get a handle on the old 97s they signed with Electra. this is their first major label record this is the one that comes on next first 10 seconds of the first song on this album comes on and I'm just sitting there and my headphones on and I'm thinking, okay, I get it. I get it. This is different. This is why this band has such a dedicated fan base. Um, The name of that first song is called Time Bomb and uh, I I will talk a lot about why I love that song (laughs) and almost everything else on this impossibly perfect record after I've let you guys have your shot on it. But Moment where this band becomes really just a, just a gift to me musically. I'm so glad that I heard this music finally.
0: It's a great, great, great album, and it's you know if you are Jeff had tweeted out you know if you're just trying to get into the genre or what's it all about this this one's right near the top of the list that that's the sound the, the, tr- the you know the, the the train sound is there now right? this full huge uh sound and as jeff mentioned yeah 15 different labels were whining and dining this little band out of texas on bloodshot records to try to get them to sign Electra wins the bidding war and, and they put out this album just uh, unbelievable spirit and and energy you know bad women bad booze um and and Rhett's, man, Rhett Miller's lyrics on this album from start to finish are just unbelievably good there are so many of those couplets and, and verses that, that get completely stuck in your head Jeff's going to talk about Time Bomb which is a, an amazing way to lead off the album uh, maybe Jesse wants to talk about Barrier Reef which is one of their great great songs, I want to focus at a stretch in the middle of the album that slays me every time and it's that stretch from Melt Show all the way through just like California uh, Melt Show Phil Peoples, we haven't talked a lot about yet, but his drumming is just so insistent on this record. Again, that's the kind of Sun Records, 1950s style of drumming on Melt Show. uh, About a summer fling, and is it going to last when October rolls around? It's just a great set of lyrics. Streets of Where I'm From, one of my favorite old 97 songs. It's got just a kick-ass Murray bass line. Uh, And again, some of those lines that that come up... I've been had. At least that's how it looks. It's not funny like on TV. It's not smart like it is in books. In books. Talking yes. about love. <laughs> and as I was going through my mid-20s, of course, I recall when I was 23, wondering how anyone would fall in love with me. Now I'm old. I'm way past 25, and I can't seem <laughs> to fall in love no matter how I try. It's perfect. Uh-
2: That's good. I I picked out that that section too. I'm yep. so glad you're talking
0: about it. It's uh, such a perfect It's <laughs> just and then the the re-recording of Big Brown Eyes is next, which is more muscular and powerful. It's a much better version. And I I man, when when they kick into Just Like California and that bass drum combo kicks off that sound and Phil swings into the in, in into the into the rhythm that song is just killer for me. Um, and and uh, Jeff and I were talking last night about some of the d- the way Rhett delivers lines, just the way he, he he spits them into the microphone. And the lines in Just Like California where he says, I'm a thinking person and I think that it's wrong to keep on saying, true love's waiting when true love is long gone. That might be my favorite Rhett Miller delivery of a line in the entire old 97's catalog. But that stretch, those four songs there, man, oh, Oh, every single time they kill me. Always oh, at top volume, and that continues all the way through the killer close, which is four-leaf clover, which we heard back on Hitchhike to Rome." They With bring it. In- yeah. Oh
2: my God. <laughs> I
0: mean, I mean, talk about us you know, there you go. It, it, it's an unlikely
1: combination. Xene Cervenka is the lead singer of the band, X, famous LA kind of punk post punk band. Uh, great group. Check them out. Maybe yeah. one day we'll do them if somebody wants to. <laughs> I love them, right? Oh, yeah. And and wow, she turns that song, which just felt a little lightweight on um, you know, on Hitchhike, into something brutal brutal it almost it's just she's she she, she it, she's screaming with murder in her heart on that song and i love it so much and uh, again i was just stunned because i'd heard it i listened to it all consecutively and you know this song comes up again i recognize it and was like oh that's that's the same song from the, that first <laughs> album and i'm like how is this song 20 times better than <laughs> yeah. Else? Yeah. because it's her it's her she just adds so much to that i'm sorry though no. jesse this is your, your show yeah. go on
2: no that's uh, you guys are, are spot on i do think this is you know you've People may have their own personal preferences, but this is probably the defining old '97s album, and there's just not a bad song on it. Um, you know, "Time Bomb" is just a kick-ass way to start off. That is actually the song that they play to close every live show. It's you, you know, the show's over when they've come out for their encore and they do "Time Bomb," and Rhett Miller does these big, well, less big than they used to be, but these big jumps off the you know back of the the stage, and it's just like. It's it's that exact feeling of of the train almost going off the tracks and yet it never does it always just comes crashing home at the end but yeah you you've got time bomb you've got barrier reef which is just like the most sort of happy go lucky lucky sounding song about the mis- most disappointing one night stand i think <laughs> you know <laughs> uh, the I went through the motions with her, her on top and me on liquor. It didn't do no good.
1: Yeah. <laughs> I didn't think it would. Dude, the Line where I said like my name's Stuart. First of all, funny line. My name's Stuart Ransom Miller, and I'm a serial lady killer. That's a great pickup line. And That's then she just, just says she she said <laughs> I'm already dead, <laughs> which is just so it's, depressing. Is. <laughs> you just have this vision of like a woman who's like I got like the, the 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 dark bags under her eyes, the circles. <laughs> oh, yeah. and she's just been sitting at the bar for a couple hours, and there's just nothing in her soul. She's just Got nothing going on. It's oh god, it's dark. And it's such a great upbeat pop song too. <laughs> it
2: is. You're so happy when you're listening to it and you're singing these just terribly depressing words and it, it's it's a great um a great juxtaposition.
3: So I, I saddled up beside her.
2: West Texas Teardrops is a terrific uh, Murray song. Again, it's got that kind of train rattling, chugging down the tracks. Um, I love any of these sort of um, songs that paint a picture of what each of the the band members experienced growing up in Texas. Uh, I was going to spend a lot of time talking about Streets of Where I'm From, but I think you have that really well covered. But that entire middle stretch of the album is terrific nightclub paints just this wonderful picture of lonely young rock star out on the road away from his girlfriend you know barely making it getting by um, sad because he's missing his girlfriend's birthday and he's not making any money and he's just doing the same thing over and over again and then four leaf clover it, it's like not even the same song <laughs> <as> the earlier <laughs> version and it's 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 a cool song too because you, you're absolutely right that Exene makes it. I mean, like the two the two of them, Exene and, and Rhett, feeding off of each other. It's just gritty mm-hmm. and sexy and 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 a little ominous and a little depressing, like everything else. But it just all rolls together. And oh, can um, I can I also I, mention the, oh, yeah. the the
0: line when uh, might just stop this pounding into my head, and then oh, get yeah. that little musical break afterwards with Murray's bass just thumping. That's a good part. Good so stuff. Good. So good. Even the think way think about it starts. Well, yeah. Ahead. The, there was just that
1: transition by the way from House That Used To Be and it has that lo- House that Used To Be another great song there's no bad there are literally no bad songs in this album uh, and House that Used To Be has that like sort of slow fade out mm-hmm. and it really feels like again for someone like me who's not un- who's unfamiliar with that I was just like oh this is the end of the album you can tell because they're doing that mm-hmm. kind of like long play out and it's like they're waving goodbye you know adios next time later and then all of a sudden for these like goes, feedback screech and it's like <laughs> no we're not done yet <laughs> <laughs> Bam. Oh, it's
3: so good.
2: Also, this, this album, a, a few years ago, um, on its 20th anniversary, they put out, and it, they may have even put this out before that, but they put out an extended version of Too Far to Care. And some of the songs that you get on that, you so you go past Four Leaf Clover, and then you get four more songs, Northern Line, Beer Cans, No Doubt About It, and Holy Cross. And they're all good, fun, old 97 songs, um, you know, picking up beer cans on the highway, save, basically saving up for an engagement ring. But the song that that the extended version ends with, The "Holy Cross," um, have you guys heard it? Did you guys yes. catch this one? Yeah, I was
1: uh, I was hoping you were going to signal that. That's a great that's a great trucking song.
2: It's it is it's great, and it's just I think it's um, again it's got that kind of driving um, bass the, and drums in the back that feels like either a truck rolling along or a train rolling along, and it's this tragic, wonderful story. And I think this is one of the sort of more, I guess, it's, you couldn't really call it an epic. It's four and a half minutes long, but it feels like this kind of long story. Like it's, it's one of the first real storytelling songs that the rep puts
1: out there. Okay, Robert Christgau, who's kind of, I think, you know, Scott and I would agree, is probably one of our favorite rock critics of certainly this era. He always seems to, you know, he has his misses every now and then, but he, he really does seem to be tuned into what's great in almost every era from the 70s onward up into the, you know, maybe the mid 2000s. He loved the old 97s. In fact, he even wrote the liner notes for their greatest hits album. That's how much he loved this band. He pointed out that it was kind of funny that they were associated with the no depression movement because these songs are all about depression. <laughs> <They're> incredibly depressed. <laughs> They're incredibly sad. <laughs> so yeah, these are very upbeat, very very upbeat. You would yeah. never know if you just if you were like you know you spoke Chinese and you did not know English <laughs> and you were just listening to the tunes. You think like oh yeah this is good times party music and then you listen to the songs and what the lyrics are saying and it means something completely completely different which again i, I you know it, it's as you pointed out it's a great juxtaposition um, is there such a thing as a casual old 97s fan it seems clear to me that everybody <laughs> knows their most well known song is barrier reef right and that's the the perfect example of that 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 really bizarre juxtaposition but it's everywhere on these other songs broadway is mm, yeah. a song that no one talks about uh, i love that song so much I, I think the story of that song is that he wrote it when like he was staying in new york uh in a hotel where they were all courting the band and trying yeah. to sign him mm-hmm. uh, and you know he was just sort of musing on how bizarre it was that you know you know uh, you know he lived in dallas for his monthly rent was more than it took uh, was less than it took t- to put him up in the hotel he was staying in for a day, and he was just like, <laughs> and that's where that line that comes, you know, is like in a hotel room off Times Square. They made a monster, uh, and he was just thinking about himself, you know, like you know he is was he's unaware bef- of of what it went down. They are fattened him up just like a calf before the slaughter, but he'd had his fill of the hollow town, and that chorus, that Broadway, oh yeah, that's you know. That's actually a, a rock moment on the album. It's, 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 it's less country. It's more rock. But I don't even know mm-hmm. if you really want to classify it as anything other than fantastic, fantastic music. And I, I also really want to say something about Time Bomb, because as I said earlier, this is the moment where I suddenly got it. I got why people love this band. I got why I, was, I knew I was going to love this band starts in with that that train running off the tracks beat and, I, and you know the funniest thing is that it put me in mind of all things of like uh the pogues like singing body of an american <laughs> you know like, i'm a mm-hmm. red blooded son of the usa or like you know the dropkick murphy's it has almost like an irish martial beat to it and it has the snotty this lyric delivery it, this is where i learned that That There's something about the way Miller sings that really did click with me. That lyric delivery tells an entire story about the character in that song with mere inflections. That that line where he says, I'd call the police, but they don't like me. And you just know, like, man, he has gotten into some (laughs) shit. With the cops, (laughs) he's he's been like that that drunken guy that you see on episodes of Cops in Dallas. He's like (laughs) running around. He's shirtless. He's wearing his jeans, and he's got like you know like his Miller beer cans, and he's like, "Oh, you can't catch me, man!" (laughs) It's, It's a story in a song, and it's just you know so expressive without having to say too many things and then of course you know everything else about that song just the way it explodes out of out of your speakers and out of your earphones uh there's a reason they close every one of their shows with it say about the rest of the album? you guys covered everything else it is i think um you know you there are there are levels of perfect there's like to me there's like you know, talk talk on the color of spring perfect I'm an art rock guy or like David Bowie's station to station perfect And I think this is in its own way a perfect album in the sense that there isn't a single song here that I think shouldn't be on here there really isn't even a single song here that I can think well you know that one really lets this thing down mm-hmm. they're all good mm-hmm. time bomb the four leaf clover I mean if you just literally are allergic to anything
0: that even remotely sounds like country music maybe you won't like it <laughs> <laughs> See okay. Maybe, is, but you might even. Maybe this is an but, album that I always use to to mow the lawn. To a, because I know I don't want to skip anything, and b, because I know oh, I can yeah. sing as long as I as loud as I want, and no one's going to hear me because the, exactly. the lawnmower's on. Sorry. No. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yeah, you can't. Yeah, it's just
1: I. Again, I was so impressed. It's like it's impossible to dislike this record. It's true.
2: I think um, you 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 made me think of something with your. The, Notes about the inflection and time bomb. This I and, and Broadway too. There's so much range uh, vocally on this album, and mm-hmm. and just the they know when to go all in, like balls to the wall, go crazy, and then you come back to something like Holy Cross, and it is just the most understated. Like some of these, some of these songs, they're doing lyrical and vocal gymnastics, and then you get to just like this guy staring in the face of the lights coming toward him of an oncoming truck and he realizes he had regrets. He never learned to dance. And it's just like this stark, quiet, complete opposite um performance of, of something like Time Bomb or Four Leaf Clover or even Broadway. And it tells a story just as effectively.
0: So everybody loves Too Far to Care. F- Everybody loves Too Far to Care. Fight songs. Believe it or not, some people didn't like this next album. Yeah, what the, were they smoking? Well, this is you know, and Jesse, you said about a decade. Okay, so you weren't a you. So when this fight songs is the next album, and it's the second album on Electra and Too Far to Care didn't sell much, and you know, there wasn't really a hit single on there. And so, is there pressure to to write a hit single? Is there pressure to get some airplay? Is there pressure to move some albums? Maybe probably and so you have fight songs which look there's no doubt it's there's a slicker sound you leave a little bit of the of the country twang behind there there was heavy criticism of uh, from old 97s fans when this was released because it was so slick and i i, I tell you honestly it, it impacted how i appreciated the record when it was released and so years later i go back and I like it a whole lot better. And I'm like, well, that none of that stuff is really all that true. And, and now, now I'm in like a fifth or sixth re-evaluating of the album. And while I think it's better than than than, uh, than than initially thought by some, I still have some issues with fight song. So let me tell you, my my issue is this: I think that the songwriting takes the easy way out a little too often on fight songs that's not to say there aren't outstanding songs but I'm going to point to let's see uh, I think Oppenheimer and probably 19 are the two songs I'll point to and say man these songs are catchy nice riff big chorus but they can do better
1: Scott Oppenheimer is one of my top five uh, songs oh man
0: oh my god (laughs) so but uh, so that's what I'd say I think there's a few few few, um, instances like that on, on fight songs but 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 Jagged First song on this album, <laughs> I have to say, is like if you have to say, this is what the old '97s are kind of like. You you could do worse than giving someone jagged. That, uh, that guitar line from Ken, which I, there's a YouTube video where he explains exactly how he got that guitar so- uh, sound, that, that, that killer, rough, kind of spastic, gut-bucket sound. It's a, it's a pedal called the Boss ME-30. I wrote it down. And, <laughs> uh, and he still has it, and it still works. But that's that, that jagged guitar lead uh, that Ken gives you on, on Jagged, that, where the lyrics match the song. The lyrics match uh, that, that guitar. And this, this plea for relief from heartache is just it's just great. It's a wonderful way to start out the album.
3: I couldn't drink enough to make it, this make sense. But I think I'm gonna give it a try. There's no settling down. There's only driving down the state. So I try.
0: And I'll I'll again point to, I'm going to go back to the middle part of the album. There's three in a row. You go from What We Talk About, which is this Latin-esque kind of song, which um, has a a, portion where everything drops out, and the bass line kicks back in, then the drums kick back in, then you get Rhett's acoustic guitar coming in. It's a wonderful... Bit of songwriting there. I adore Crash on the Barrelhead, which is uh, which is a Murray song. This terrific song. This is a uh, this is I think the band kind of denies it. This is uh, to me an <laughs> the obvious Ryan Adams hate song. Yes, this is it's, an yeah. obvious rip on <laughs> on distract. Ryan Adams. It's both an you know homage to Graham Parsons obviously, and then and then a shot at Ryan Adams and the band. And Ryan, it depends who you who you talk to about this. I think Rhett gave an interview where he said this was all kind of made up, and Ryan Adams wanted to have some sort of fake. Uh, uh, conflict between the bands, like the Beatles and the Stones, and they they yell at each other and and pick at each other. But I, I I'm not sure I buy that because there, there's a whole lot of vitriol going back and forth here. Crash on the Barrelhead is about a guy that's going to just freaking drink himself to death. Uh, you'll hate your face when the morning shines on the mirror frame and your guilty mind. Uh, earlier, you know you're going to die the way you live and the way you drink. You're like a river bound okay. for fall does anybody have anything fun. what the hell ryan adams did dogs <laughs> that's mean it's mean stuff i mean the, the the again the story that i read was that rhett went backstage at some event and, and ryan had a had a bottle of something vodka pick, take your pick and 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 rhett asked him for a for a for a for a shot and ryan would not uh, acquiesce to that demand and i don't know if that's where it all began but that's the story i heard and then Ryan would call out the old 97s from, from the stage at times, He'd call them the, the Mold 97s. You know, <laughs> Ooh, very clever. Yeah, it's very clever. Was um, he, was it, this
1: is, he was still in Whiskey Town at
0: yeah, the this time is, here, yep. too, right? This is still Whiskey yeah. Town era. It's even before Heartbreakers. So he was still kind of a, he was a, he was a punk back then. But I love Murray's vocals. I love that kind of echoey AM radio effect on the vocals and that shredded guitar sound.
3: You're gonna crash on the barrelhead, son. You'll regret the things that you've done. One of these days, you're gonna ruin all the mist of things you do. You're gonna die the way you live and the way you dream. Not much fun You're gonna crash On the barrelhead sun You're gonna wake Up in your shoes No one you love Watching you You'll hate your face When the morning shines On the bare frame And your
0: guilty mind Get into Murder or a Heart Attack, which is, <laughs> this is the best song on the album. And if, and if you don't know, it's, just, it's about a missing cat. That's what Murder or a Heart Attack is about. It. Rhett accidentally left a window open, the cat escaped, so he's handed out posters at shows trying to find the missing cat. That's what this like perfect power <laughs> pop twangy song is about.
2: It, it sounds like a lost lover. Like, I'm leaving the back door open until you <laughs> right. come back. No, well, it works on cat.
0: multiple levels, and that's why it's good. Yeah, and then very does. quickly.
1: I assume it was, it's basically the plot of Inside Lewin Davis by the Coen brothers. <laughs> put into a song, which I don't know if you've seen the film. It revolves around the main character losing a cat and, winning, <laughs> and getting in trouble <laughs> for it and waiting for it to come back, which it does eventually at the end of the film.
2: Uh, yeah, fight songs. So I was um, not really old enough to be an active fan when this came out i had not yet been turned on to the old 97 so i didn't have any of the i guess a tinge of of public opinion on this um but i would still say it's probably not one i go back to as much as others probably for the same reasons some of these songs are just like i know a lot of fans really like oppenheimer i think it's fine it's just you know not not their best in my opinion crash on the barrelhead is amazing for for all the reasons we just talked about. My favorite song on this album, which I mentioned earlier, being one of the first songs that that I ever heard, is Valentine, yeah. which feels like the old 97s go Everly Brothers. Um, <laughs> and it's it's kind of cool because it's on, on this recording, it's a little softer and sweeter, but it's a little more rockabilly when they play it live, and I would actually like to get the, the live version on recording over this one but it's plain sweet simple lyrics it's of course another Murray sung song which are like, uh, like Scott has mentioned generally some of the gems on the albums but it's just uh, again really great lyrics um, you know heartbreak old friend goodbye it's me again of late I've had some thought of moving in of all the many ways a man will lose his home while well, there ain't none better than the girl who's moving on that's just sweet and sad and you can't listen to that and not have your heart broken um but it's kind of like all the other ones if you hear it live and you hear that rockabilly version it doesn't sound as depressing as it actually
3: is it's a lonely lonely feeling when your wrong it's a lonely lonely feeling when you're Of all the many things that you are counting on, well, there ain't none better than the girl who's moving on. No, there ain't none better than the girl who's moving on. No, there ain't.
2: 19 is probably one of the songs that people are more familiar with from this album. But yeah, again, that actually tr- one of the I ones mean, I would go back to the least. There's that nothing wrong with it. It's just, I think they could do better.
1: I mean, for me, I look at this album and I compare it with too far to care. And I think, okay, it's not as good as too far to care because on this one, there are some songs that say like, eh, okay, yeah, I, I don't know if I really needed to hear, let the idiot speak. It's not that great. Um, <laughs> What? But that's some of my criticisms and one of the funny things about this is that coming to it as I did so late without any of the sort of alt country tribal stuff or you know like oh they've, they've betrayed us it's kind of like you know like Dylan goes electric and all the folkies are screaming like oh gosh he's selling out they're like the old 97's are doing pop rock and like they're betraying their country roots first of all I you know as Scott pointed out I hear a lot of country twang on this record man it's not like they suddenly became Britney Spears or anything like that this is still a pretty twangy record there are a lot of pop moves on it i don't mind any of them and then particularly i i you know jagged you already scott talked about fantastic song lonely holiday is good Uh, but you know i'm always going to be a sucker for a song that uses marimbas whether it's (laughs) under my thumb by the rolling stones or in this case it's indefinitely off of uh, you, know, you know fight songs that's a great song and then all of a sudden like it's a great song on its own on its own on its guts and then like all of a sudden the marimbas just start like for no particular reason I assume they're played by Phil because he's credited with percussion and there's no specific credit for anything else maybe Andrew Williams is odds and ends I have to, of course looked this all up on Wikipedia because I'm coming to it fresh but man I love the marimbas in that song I just like all of a sudden it's like a slightly tropical feel but on a country song <laughs> (laughs) Don't be The one that I really like—I don't care what Scott says—is Oppenheimer. I don't—I don't think that's a lazy song at all. It's a cl- great little love song. You know, like we've been falling in love underneath the quarter moon. You know, we, you know, we've been living above on a road called Oppenheimer. And of course, you know, like I think Oppenheimer, like everyone else, I think of like, oh yeah, like the guy who did the, you know, the H bomb, right? I don't think it has anything to do with that. I think it's probably just a street somewhere near where he lived, and it seemed like it fit into the scansion of the lyric. Um, but just a great chorus just a really great chorus and it. it has those sounds that I don't know if it's if it's a treated guitar it, I assume so because it probably isn't church bells but it sounds like church mm-hmm, bells mm-hmm. it has that clangy mm-hmm. clangy sound that I love so much. <laughs>
3: Me and this girl, we've been working it out. We got a long way to go. We got a long way to go. Me and this girl, we've been having it out on a road called Oppenheimer. Me and this girl, we've been getting it on beneath the quarter moon, beneath the quarter moon, watching it go till it's all the way gone on a road called Oppenheimer. And the time is gonna be right now No, I'm never gonna fall for anyone else but her And the place is gonna be right here On the road called Oppenheimer
1: Again, you know, because these guys are so consistent in their tone, it's really nice when they change it up. And so I think Oppenheimer is a great song. Again, I just everything on this record for the most part is worth hearing. That, that run from, um, uh, the first uh, seven songs on this record, I find absolutely unimpeachable from uh, jagged all the way to murder or a heart attack. And then you know alone so far busted afternoon, 19, 19. And I agree with Jesse. Like, yeah, that may have been like a single or, you know, and also like, it, I think it was featured in movies and things like that. But, uh, it doesn't do that much for me. Um, and then I think it ends weekly. Um, Valentine is the one that I thought I didn't like that much, and then I've gone back and I've listened to it a couple more times, and it, it does grow on you.
4: Mm-hmm.
1: And I also think it's 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 a nice move to let it end on a quieter note, because the rest of this album is pretty upbeat. And, uh, no, I mean, I this will, this will probably make it, into the end, uh, in my picks, because the consistency of it is is so impressive, and the highs are just just wonderful songs. I, I got to hear Oppenheimer. You got to hear Indefinitely. You got to hear the the Ryan Adams diss track. <laughs> you got to <laughs> crash on the barrelhead. Mean as can be. Oh man, mean as sin, but it's so fun. Um, and then I really love Yeah Murder as well. But, but it, this is a great song and. A great album, and I just don't know if I like it more or less than the next one, which is their last major label release. These three albums, Too Far to Care, then Fight Songs, and then this one is called Satellite Rides. Um, this one, again, sort of controversial for no reason that makes sense to somebody coming to this in 2018. Um, i think this is a great record but as far as the three of these i probably rate it slightly less than the first two although i think scott thinks it's his favorite of them all
0: (laughs) should i make my case first (laughs) <laughs> yeah, why not? Yeah. Go, for, Go it. for it. So yeah. I I can't believe I'm going to say this, but yeah, I am telling you that Satellite Rides is the finest old '97s album. It, and we just said that Too Far to Care is perfect. So that's that's how that's how good I think Satellite Rides <laughs> is, right? It is it is fight songs uh, improved, right to to the next level, with with a little bit. I mean, what 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 is not on here? I this was such a like a power pop twang perfection album. In hiding around this time, people were w- wondering if they were going to go back and do a little more uh, alt-country sound, more twang, more country. What, what was going to happen? And they kind of did this Brit pop/mod uh, uh, Beatles-esque slash country mold thing, and it's perfect. It's just perfect. Satellite rides from start to finish. Again, there uh, there is not a bad song. On satellite rides, and the I'll one tell you
1: what's not on it is "Singular Girl," which which, which you gave me because it's right. on the bonus EP, and that yep. should have been on the album. It should have been. And then <laughs> Rhett,
0: Rhett ended up uh, re- recording it for one of his solo albums in the uh, in the aughts, and it's not as good as this version that's on the bonus disc for uh, for satellite rides. But um, they, you know, they tried for a single again. King of All the World was was the lead single off this album, and, and the first song on the uh, on it too. Great song, no problem with King of All the World. But but there's stuff that's even better. Roller Skate Skinny, a song about Winona Ryder, who Brett Miller uh, dated for a while. And by the way, Jeff, make a note. We have to have a special show soon, just featuring songs songs about written Ryder. about Winona
1: Ryder. Yeah. I was going to ask you. I actually did. You <laughs> stole you stole my thing. But I was going to say like, where does this rank in the pantheon of rock and country songs written? About with Ryder rider <laughs> because
0: there are like fifteen of them. Yeah, that, that's a, that's a one day kind of uh, kind of show. We'll, we'll get to roller skate skinny man. That is a great great <laughs> song, and um, the way that that uh, about, about three quarters of the way through everything drops and just ret. All alone, I believe in love, but it don't believe in me, which is like summarizing about two thirds of the entire old 97's <laughs> output lyrically uh, through their life. Those next two songs are, are are killer for me. Buick City Complex. It's kind of unusual because, I mean, you're going back to a literal historical thing. You know, the Buick City uh, General Motors Complex in Michigan, which was shut down, it was a huge, huge manufacturing plant. And the way that Rhett Paints This picture I think is is just brilliant of this town where everything is dying and everyone is leaving and you have these two I'm thinking in my mind teens right six 15 16 year olds uh, who, who are perhaps one of the last people in this in this town that's 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 dying because the Buick City complex is closing down and what what's the question. Uh, do you want to mess around? I mean, that's the <laughs> question that gets asked. There's this dreamy Ken but guitar line. It's got a very wistful feel to it. Uh, I love U City Complex. Do you want to be my girl? in the cage is one of my favorite old 97's moments too. Uh Phillip's got this great drum line in the chorus and it's just a repeated line in the chorus, right? It's, I may be a bird in the cage but at least it's your cage. And Red had figured out, I think, maybe last album, two albums ago, it's okay to rhyme the same word with the same word he plays with words so well, and the way they kind of fit, and, and the way they kind of dance around some of the melodies. Uh, and Bird in the Cage, I think, is a perfect, perfect example of that. This, this kind of shuffle that explodes during the is One of my real favorite old 97 songs. Um, there's a brief, you know, you, you get question right smack dab in the middle, which is which is not heartbreak, which is not a typical old 97 song, which is about a marriage proposal It is just pure sweetness. Uh, And again, Rhett would re-record that for a solo album too, but I think this version, again, is better, this version of the album. And it's almost as if they say, all right, you heard that that sweetness, here's some alt country. And you have this this song, Am I Too Late, coming up next, and then you get back into Weightless. And right toward the end, I'm I'm talking almost, almost every song, but I love, 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 love this album. Book of Poems, how's that not a hit? Book of Poems, just this straight-ahead, up-tempo rock song, which I think is, again, another shot at Ryan Adams in the chorus. There's two references to Whiskey Town songs. There's a, a Hard Luck Story and and 16 Days, which are both Whiskey Town songs. And I think that was another kind of attempt to take a swipe at Ryan Adams. And Nervous Guy, this 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 uh, description of, of, of ending a relationship early because you know it's not going to end well eventually uh and and these detailed observations that Rhett comes up with about how the friends see the relationship and how you see it falling apart and he sings his lungs out on the chorus look too far to care is a perfect album i i I have no complaints i have no i think satellite rides is even better i think it is this perfect power pop country album that's just been hiding there and waiting for people to discover it satellite rides is fantastic
2: Well, I am gonna agree with you for the most part I don't know I don't know if I could definitively say it's better than too far to care but I love satellite rides. I absolutely think it is one of my favorite albums of theirs and and of all time and it's kind of one of those that snuck up on me like I kind of realized over the years a lot of my favorite old ninety seven songs were on this album. I hadn't really experienced it as this is an album that I love, but it was just the uh, accumulation of all of these songs that I had come to adore over the years. And you gave uh, really good explanations of a lot of them. I think Buick City Complex, like it it tells this great, his you know, actual story, but it, it just, it paints this sort of, it, it almost is like an apocalyptic scene, but it's just mm-hmm. so sweet and innocent. And yeah, you want to mess around? <laughs> <laughs> it's, I like that. Um, Bird in a Cage, of course, terrific. I love the opening notes of Bird a Cage. It's just kind of like, where's this going to go? And it, Go somewhere good. Up the devil's pay is one of my all-time favorite old ninety-seven songs. Another Murray song. You're gonna pick up on a theme here, I think, for <laughs> me on that. But it starts. You know, it's, as- it's
1: funny, Jesse, because when I revealed that I didn't really know much about old ninety-sevens on Twitter, some uh, some uh, wag uh, pointed out and like, yeah, you know, it'd be just like Jeff to, for his five favorite songs to be all <laughs> Murray songs. <laughs> And, and I'm actually. This is one of mine.
2: You're in good. This is really good. <laughs> yeah, but so I interrupted. It's yeah. So eerie. It starts off with just this ghostly, um, just ooze, and and the harmonies on this are just they hit perfection. Um, and and the the, the rare chance for Rat to be singing harmony while Murray takes the lead is just yeah. a beautiful combination it's it's haunting and it drives into this I mean it starts off it sounds like um, it reminds me of like Ghost Riders in the Sky you know the, the old uh, Johnny Cash and, and the, that like old kind of ghostly haunting country but then it kicks into gear with, with Philip on the Drugs and it. it just keeps this, this clip for the rest of the song and I just I think that's one of their their better songs I'm gonna tend to
3: fire until you come around. Singing real life love songs If I could get the feeling down I want not make you happy But the devil's out my way So I'll just pack up
2: Like, I, it's got to be their their biggest commercial success. And you kind of want to not like it because you hear it all the time and <laughs> it's the popular one that everybody knows. But it's a great song. There's a reason why it's popular. It's sweet and it's romantic. And every old 97's fan, you know, proposes to their <laughs> fiance with this song because, of course, they do. It's, it's sweet. And, of course, it was famously used in the Jennifer Aniston-Vince Vaughn movie, The Breakup, which I suppose is how it got to be as big as it was but yeah as much as i want to like not hear it when i do hear it i'm happy it's good um and then i think designs on you is a a, a hidden gem on here i went to a concert once and they played question followed by designs on you which is a terrific juxtaposition i wish it were (laughs) that way on the album because it's just this like sassy little like we're gonna have fun with this, we're gonna play this sweet song about a proposal and then Designs on You is a love song or maybe just a lust song to it's a lust. A woman it's a, who's about
4: it's a to get married. <laughs> yes.
2: It's an absolute seduction song and it's just so straightforward and And cheeky and charming, and you know, you can go ahead and get married, and this will be our our secret thing. I won't tell a soul except the people in the nightclub where I sing. (laughs) I don't want to get you all worked up, except secretly, I do. (laughs) Oh,
1: that's such a good line. Oh, yeah, it's so good. It's so good.
2: Yeah, and and just the the thought designs on you. It's it's this almost sort of quaint, uh, old old school, um, sweet. You know, I got designs on you, except it's really pretty pretty sassy and pretty sexy and I, I think that's a terrific song
3: Standing on the corner of six Where do I get Trying to do right by you all night Annette This would only be an experiment that I
1: I mean, listen, you guys have said basically everything that I have to say about Satellite Rides. I think this is a, a, really a fantastic album. And when I say that I don't like it as much as fight songs or too far to care, I'm not saying that this is anything other than you know one of their three or four greatest records. Anyways, it's wonderful. By the way, <clears throat> I'd be remiss if I didn't point out, and I thank you, Scott, for making me aware of this, that Book of Poems is yet another <laughs> Ryan Adams diss track. Yep. Was, what's the line? I was like, I got a Book of Poems. Is going to change your life or something yeah. like that. It, it's 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 it, it's just you know, again again we these stories that now have come out uh, you know from Meet Me in the Bathroom, which is the uh, the sort of you know, chronicle of of the revival of rock and alt rock in the New York City you know area during the early 2000s it it sounds like it must be Ryan Adams because the stories would be like he'd come over and everybody would be jamming and then he would suddenly <laughs> like, and he would hog the spotlight he's like hey I, I just wrote this song what do you think of it oh and I just wrote this one too and he'd play like 14 <laughs> songs in a row and everybody else would be passing out bored but he wouldn't shut up yeah, <laughs> book of poems gotta be about Ryan Adams right um, fun song
3: well it's bad luck yet it's a hard story I'm sorry I ain't sticking around All
1: these songs are actually pretty good. Up the Devil's Pay is my favorite one from this record, too. So I completely agree with Jesse on that. Uh, Designs on You, again, is a seduction song. Man, that is just as as beautiful and you know
0: uh, although it, i read it, i read jeff and I, it's I, naughty i, I could know? not i could not find this interview I, I i'm almost certain i read an interview with rhett where he said that it's 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 all put on meaning it's it was kind of an inside joke uh, the song itself that it, what he was writing it I not think that's on that's right the yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh, it still mean, works just it, the way it is wait, wait, which one we're we talking about a book of poems or
4: designs designs on
0: you, on you? Oh well, I mean, it, it was about a, a, be, it was about a friend's wife, and they were all kind of in on the on, on a joke about it. But it, it, well, it, I sure hope so. the, uh... I just assumed you <laughs> were singing in a
1: character because you know, I mean, that that is a very very uh, naughty yes. and immoral song, and yet it's it's, <laughs> it's, irres- it's irresistible. But yeah, I mean, you know, you guys otherwise you took everything I was going to say about this. You know, I I think roller skate skinny is probably the best Winona Ryder song of them all. <laughs> um, I, I even used this term to describe my wife the other day, and she was flattered. So it's a great term you know I didn't I I didn't I didn't tell her the part about how you know you know the the sad part about how love isn't interested in me anymore though (laughs) I I didn't think she she would want to hear that bit but yeah great record
0: uh, it's Political Beats, a presentation of National Review, Twitter, at Political underscore Beats. Our guest on this episode, Jesse Opoyan, political reporter for the Capital Times in Wisconsin, on Twitter, at Jesse O-P-O-P-I-E. We're talking about old 97s. And uh, if there is any kind of friction along the 25 years of the band, it happens here. Because my understanding is that at this point, Electra basically says to the band... We don't want to be in the old 97s business anymore, but we're more than happy to release some Rhett Miller solo albums. And as you can anticipate, that's a a pill to swallow for the rest of the band. Now, that's like the whole story, though. It's not... uh, They got over it. They pushed forward. Yes, Rhett was releasing some solo albums here, but the band goes forward. And uh, a three-year break here in between Satellite Rides and the next album, which was... uh, uh, new west records which is pretty pretty good label too called drag it up in in 2004 i am quite interested in 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 opinions on drag it up because um uh well i'm quite interested in opinions i have a, i have a take about. i think the sequencing stinks on this record and, and it really harms the flow and, and that's that's my overarching thought on drag it up but i want to hear what you guys think
1: Okay, I'll I'll just go quickly and say that this is one of those things where I'm probably ill-equipped to answer, given that I'm so new to the record, but I disagree. I think it's a really good record, and this is the one that you described to me, saying, uh, yeah, it's terribly sequenced, but... I like all these songs with one major exception: the first genuinely bad song in the old '97s discography, which is a uh, "Kualhila" or I don't even know how you pronounce it. "Kualhila." <laughs> um, it's the one with the it's the one with the guitarist singing. All right, it's the one where Ken takes the mic, and no, it's not a good song. It, it feels as uh, close, literally, in the entire discography of this band, that comes to a novelty song, mm. and yet they played it live. It made it onto the live album, you know, which is ugh. But uh, a lot of the rest of this, particularly that run from after that song, uh, from Blinding Sheets of Rain, then Valium Waltz, uh, which is a beautiful song, and in the Satellite rides a star to the New Kid, which I think is you know one of the great songs of their career. Man, that is just top shelf material, and I don't think it falls off on the end. I, I like you know Adelaide, I like Bloomington, mm-hmm. and I don't think it, it it's any perceptibly worse to record than any of the ones that they put out before this. So I'm really curious as to why Scott, you think that
0: this this was this was botched because I like it. yeah I mean I, I think the songs are largely good. I, I think that the fl- it's not you know it's, it's the flow of how the songs come out. you know we talked about too far to care. I mean too far to care you press play and, and you just go and there's nothing in your way. I think Drag It Up would have been helped by better sequencing. Like the the song you don't like, the Ken Bethay song, that's smack dab in the middle. That's the fifth track on the album. Uh, the New Kid, which is, I agree with you, one of their best, best songs. The New Kid is just this unbelievably great... Know, fuzz bass song uh this bitter screed against a guy who has uh, stolen a uh, uh, you know stolen a woman or beaten beaten him out for a woman uh Rhett's vocals are just excellent i always uh, thought that was a thinly veiled metaphor again for like someone like ryan adams who
1: stole the alt rock or the alt country mantle from them yeah. that's what i always feel the new kid is about yes it's yeah. nominally about a lover but it's really about like being eclipsed commercial sure. the
3: new kid he's got money Money I deserve. He's got the goods, but he's not good for his word. I should be rolling in it. I've been at work and stir. As for the justice, no one knows where, where I'm gonna toil away until my judgment.
0: But that's the ninth track on the album. That, 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 that's that got to be closer to the front, I think. Um, uh, Borrowed Bride, I think, is a pretty good song. Um, and, and that's kind of... I don't like where that's placed on the album. I would just... I've actually done, you know, a back-of-the-envelope thing where I, I I try to put these songs in a better running order. And that's what I mean by the sequencing of it, just the flow. Um, I think the flow is very chopped on this record and I, th- I think it impacts at least my enjoyment. Now, yes, The Duke Kid, I think, is one of their very best. Won't Be Home, that classic old 97 song to kick things off. I think it's uh, the Murray song, Smokers. This kind of surf country uh, 60s bounce song is very good. That's uh, right at the front of the album as well. And the other Murray song is such a this slow, it's not quite a dirge, but it's In the Satellite Rides a Star. And I didn't like it the first time, but that song's grown on me lots over the years to, which, uh, 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 to the point where it's one of my favorite ones on, on Drag It Up. This is a slower album. It's not the frenzied pop of Satellite Ride. It's not that up-tempo uh real alt country of too far to care. Uh, it, it's got this, I don't want to say like a hangover quality to it, to me too, where, you know, we gave it our shot. We tried to get a hit single. We were in the majors and now this is what we feel right now. This is maybe the stuff that we left off the past albums because it wasn't going to be quite so commercial. Uh, and that's what drag it up feels like to me.
2: Yeah. I, I have less to say about drag it up than I do other albums. Um, I hadn't thought about the sequencing that much. I think for me, it's just, it's slower than I want it to be. Um, That being said, there are some good tracks on it. I think Borrowed Bride is terrific. Adelaide is lovely. It's this breathy sort of sad reflection um, that a lot of the album (laughs) is a lot of sad reflections. (laughs) But I I think Won't Be Home, you know, lands in the the all-time favorite tracks for me in the old 97s. And it starts off with that just dirty grinding guitar um, from Ken. And it's this bad breakup, um, like v- almost violent bad breakup where um, I'm pulling off the road I'm opening the door I'm giving you the pavement I'm mm. telling you what for <laughs> <laughs> uh,
0: I mean, and then getting smaller in the rearview mirror <laughs>
2: yeah I mean that, that's an ugly ugly breakup song that again you're just kind of rattling along and singing and you don't quite realize like you're this is some, this is some bad stuff happening here <laughs> but it sounds like fun and that, that I mean that to me is certainly the highlight of this album Re-ranging it would make a huge difference for me. Um, again, The New Kid's a good song too, like you guys said, but um, yeah, this is just one where I'm more likely to cherry pick a few songs off of it than probably make my way through the whole thing.
0: So after after uh, after Drag It Up, we have uh, the biggest break in between albums in old 97's career up until Blame It On Gravity. During this time, there's a Rhett Miller solo album, there's a Murray Hammond solo album that's released just about concurrently with with uh, Blame It on Gravity. There's a Greatest Hits collection release called Hit by a Train. And there's a live album called Alive and Wired. And I'm interested in both of your takes on that. A, because I, I told Jeff this. My, my take on Alive and Wired is this. If you've never been to an old 97 show, that's probably a pretty good document of what it's like. It's not, It's not. you know, it, it, they called them on a good night. It's a pretty good playlist. If you've been to an old 97 show, there's no way anything recorded... <laughs> On a CD is going to replicate that experience, and having seen them live, that's 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 my camp. But Jeff, you've not seen them live. What did, you, did I, you I've not seen them
1: live. I listened to this record, and I was immensely entertained by it, <laughs> except for the fact that they, of course, had the stupid novelty song by the guitarist. <laughs> uh, they, they had to include it on the record because it had just come out on the most recent album. Ugh! But beyond that, I, I thought it was fantastic. Of course, they completely, perfectly replicate their sound on the record, despite you know the few occasional production touches that you hear it's really exciting um, apparently I, I, I did a little research and, and apparently I found out like yeah it was like recorded in the middle of the summer in Texas it was like 107 degrees inside that concert hall everyone's <laughs> just sweating their head off somebody people getting heat stroke in the front of the you know in the front of the audience uh, and it feels like that you get that wonderful small theater you know very you know hot tight compressed sound it's 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 a really entertaining record. I've never seen him live. But yeah, I mean, this is, you know, I don't like the greatest hits, the hit by a train. I, I, I just looked at the track listing and I thought, well, okay, based on what I know I like from this band, this is, <laughs> this is really inadequate. Um, uh, but I really like this album kind of as its own sort of greatest hits. I also find it fairly notable that a lot of the uh, earlier stuff from their records get revived here. Uh, a lot of the, uh, the stuff from their first two sounds, they come out and it really, really sounds much better.
2: All I would say about Alive and Wired is, yeah, it's a great compilation. It's basically like a almost a greatest hits, but not really. Of course, it is nothing like actually being in the shows. I'm always in the front row getting sweaty <laughs> and thrashing my head around. And I feel like I've taken a shower by the end of the show because I've just like, danced so hard. So this is... I'm not doing that when I'm listening to Alive and Wired, uh, but... You know, it's, it's, it, it'll do if you can't make it in person.
0: You have to see Rhett Miller doing those kind of half Pete Townsend windmill it's, strokes. It's a, it's a whole thing. It's person. a whole phenomenon <laughs> unto itself. And
2: the, the little wiggle back and forth. I mean, they're, all of the signature Rhett Miller moves are very important to witness in person.
0: So after, uh, live, uh, uh, after the live album and the greatest hits and the solo albums, we get another new album in, in 28, four-year break between albums. This is called Blame It On Gravity. And I will, I will say that this is the album I certainly return to least of the entire Old 97's collection. And I think it's because of this reason, and I, I was listening to it again, of course, in preparation for the show. Uh, Old 97's always is a is a well-recorded band, as Jeff pointed out earlier. They never work with a huge producer who's trying to change their sound or make them do this or that. They know what they're supposed to sound like, and in general, they get it right on tape, no matter who the producer is. Blame it on Gravity to me, the production is a little too pristine. Blame it on Gravity has Rhett pushed a little front and center for my taste with the band behind him. And there are some songs on Blame it on Gravity. I mentioned early in the show, look, you always know it's an old 97 song because you hear each of those four guys and and what they bring to the songs. There are a couple songs on here. Uh, I think My Two Feet, I think Ride, maybe one or two others where... It could almost be any band backing up Brett Miller. I mean, you know his voice, certainly, and so you know he's there, but who's who's playing? And it doesn't quite have that really classic old 97 song, and that's why I don't like it as much as the others. Now, again, there are still excellent songs here. Dance With Me I put on a mix CD for my uh, then... Well, we weren't even girl, boy and girlfriend yet. I mean, I just met my wife at that point, but she was going away for a week, and I said, here, I'm going to make you a mix CD. Blame Gra- or, uh, Dance With Me from Blame It On Gravity was on that mix CD back in the summer of uh, in tw- uh, summer of 2008. So I have a soft spot for Dance With Me, which is which is a cousin to what we talk about. It has that same kind of uh, Latin feel to it a little bit, and, and this wonderful crunch of the guitars and the cymbal crashes.
3: He takes your hand ten nothing is how he feels about girls like you with your flip-flop smiles and your big blue eyes on vacation dance with me into the ocean roll with me into the sea don't tell me the world is in trouble do you want
0: Um, the one the last song on the album might be uh, the, the best one here. Um, she loves the sunset uh, like a 50 style tune with some some island touches but um, I, i'll let you guys take a majority of blame it on gravity because I, again it's a, it's a fine album it's a good album it's not uh, it's the one I come back to least and I, I, I think it's the one that kind of is least representative of what the old 97s sound like.
1: You know, for a band that says they don't like self-referential songs, the one... (laughs) You know, where we, you know he, he shouts out to everybody, you know, like, you know, he says, hey, Murray, we're going to take the money sometime. Ken, pick this bank at random. Right. Like they, you know, there was wh- whistling boy, Philip. He's our drummer. He does the theme from Endless Summer. You know, it's like basically they're bank robbers, I suppose. Or, or it, that's that's sort of you know, the conceit that they're selling here. But it's really about being, of course, a band, a band on the run, as one might say. Um, good song. But the one that really jumps out at me from this, by the way, my general thought is that this is the one that 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 uh, Scott sold to me in advance say like, yeah this is a real disappointment you're not gonna like this one i was like no i like this just fine i think this is a bit of a wilco like album late period wilco we all know the problem with late period wilco post a ghost is bored jeff Tweedy cleans up he's like <clears throat> sort of like a father and a husband and he's more <laughs> well adjusted and he doesn't have all these drug and emotional problems anymore and so what does he do he's making dad rock yeah Blame It on Gravity feels a little bit like dad alt-country, right? It's softer. It doesn't have some of the rough edges that are always you know, the appealing spikes that you hear in this discography, and especially in Red Miller's lyrics. But it still has some great songs. And, and I, I'm going to say that the one that I really like the most, one of my favorite songs that I've heard of them, is I Will Remain. I I think that's a fantastic song. That's a fantastic melody, you know? I mean, again, the the standard, you know... Sort of self lamenting lyric, you know. The I this is more than I can tolerate. It's the kind of pain you got to medicate, you know. And then that chorus, which I love so much. I will remain. I will remain right here outside your door. I will remain here forever. It's kind of like an unsuccessful Romeo, <laughs> you know, like Romeo and Juliet, where Romeo goes up to the balcony and he's like, "Oh Juliet, where far art thou?" Or uh, Romeo. <laughs> <laughs> He's like, we're for that Romeo. And this is like real Romeo going up there and saying, God, please, answer the door. Please, I love you. I love you. I want to make it work. And it's just, you know, it's not happening. You know, this is a relationship that is not going anywhere. But the melody on that song is just really top shelf. Oh,
3: girl, you are problem still. You know I love you and I always will. I throw a rock up on a windowsill. Baby, come down. Got a feeling like I want to be I only want to make her notice me Make her love me on a count of three I am counting it down
1: It's one of those things that's easy to forget uh because it gets subsumed by some of the softer edges of this album. But I think it's it's still pretty good. I don't, you know, the the, the worst the worst old '97's album that I've heard I'd say is kind of like a C plus B minus, And that was their first one. Uh, this is still in solid B territory. It's pretty great.
2: <laughs> yeah, there's there's nothing on this album that I don't like um with the exception of the one old 97 song that i don't like (laughs) and that's early morning i can't listen to it it just starts off with that screechy oh every time that comes on it just throws me out of whatever old 97's bliss i was in up until that moment and i'll i'll be with you on this job i'm not a huge fan of of kohila either but i can tolerate that i can't (laughs) listen to early morning it skips it skips every time is the only one i always skip <laughs> um that being said you know one song out of good lord knows how many ain't bad so um i think the one is is a fun one it might be the, kind of the sleeper hit on this um you mentioned being self referential it doesn't really sound anything like it but every time i listen to it it reminds me of um, creek alley by the mamas and the papas cuz it's that same sort of thing where they're just like Running through all the people in the band And giving a little fun story So that's what I think of every time I hear that
3: Murray says we're gonna Take the money sometime Well it might as well Be this time We're gonna spend it all On ourselves Can Pick this bank At random I said do we Shoot them and he said, either way's alright Whistling boy, that's Philip, he's our drummer He does the theme from Endless Summer You know he's waiting out and out The good times have,
2: God, Again, the Murray songs on this are sweet. Color of a lonely heart is blue, and this beautiful thing. Um, no, baby, Eye and, and Dance with Me are both terrific. Also, I also the, here's to the Halcyon is one that has grown one. on me over yeah. the years. I never really paid that much attention to it at first, but it's this sort of like pleading with God. You know, if if you get me through this, I'll do whatever. You know, I'll stop drinking. I'll read the Bible. I'll go to church. and... All that sort of desperate pleading um, in again a very upbeat kind of happy sounding tune so yeah this song i don't or this album i don't think it's certainly uh, certainly not their best but there's nothing on it besides that one song that really upsets me and i'll listen to most of it if i'm plugging through it
0: <laughs> um two years after that the Grand Theater albums, Volume 1, Volume 2, released uh, in pretty quick succession. And so the, the the idea for these albums is they went to the Grand Theater and and spent a week live just playing, um, trying to get these songs in a place where they wanted them to be. And I don't know if that was a, a, a reaction from, uh, again, what I think is kind of the uh, slightly overproduced uh, Sound of Blame It on Gravity, uh, to be a little more, uh, a little more live sounding, a little more raw sounding. So they did a week of live shows, then get right into the studio to put them down. They had enough that they split them up into two volumes: a volume one and a volume two. And I want—I uh, I, I think we'll swing this to Jeff because based on our correspondence, this is one that jumped out and and kind of grabbed Jeff: the Grand Theater album.
1: Yeah, I, I'm going to tell you, Like you, Scott said, like, yeah, you know, they start off well, and then they kind of tail off at the end. They're kind of disappointing. I think Grand Theater, Volume 1 in particular, is – Uh, either the second or the third greatest album of old 97's career you know and of course you know again stipulated that i come at this from the perspective of a newbie but this album is consistently gripping from beginning to end and i've heard these songs maybe three or four times through now at this point and i like every single one of them with the exception of that last song the beauty marks i think that's you know i think maybe that kind of affects the way that you think about an album if it ends on a weak <laughs> note you know because it kind of it can poison things um because i don't think that's a great song and of course given all the material they have you know in the can on the second disc they should have put something from there onto this instead because i don't like that song but i like the grand theater the whole thing every night is friday you know the magician, all these great songs, but then you have a song like "Let the Whiskey Take the Reins," which is just magnificent, and it's a change of pace for this guy, for this group. It's very quiet. It's got that 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 the vibrating thrum that goes through boom 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 boom, boom. but it's a quiet acoustic song with these these very kind of loud. Guitar, you know, single note guitar interjections from Ken Buffet, and it is again another drunken song <clears throat> about you know how you you know you can forget about your troubles and you know you know sort of close yourself down emotionally and let the whiskey take the reins, which is something that you should not do. But man, it is musically one of the more fun left turns in this this, this band's discography. we all Illinois, which of course is the rewrite of Desolation Row by Bob mm-hmm. Dylan. Um we just did Dylan not too long ago on the show. And uh, you know, Champaign, Illinois is probably as bad a place to find yourself stuck as Desolation <laughs> Row.
0: Well, I don't know, Decatur's, uh, Decatur's Decatur is a yeah, Decatur. Carbondale, Carbondale. Can, yeah, Carbondale,
1: I guess. Carbondale. Yeah, Carbondale, Illinois. You never find yourself in Carbondale. Uh, but you smoke too much? Uh, as close as they came to a sort of art rock track in their entire career. I love that song. And then I think my favorite song on this record is the, is the second to last one, which is uh, Please Hold On While The Train Is Moving. I just, uh, Scott said he didn't like the ending of this record, and I was like, Scott, are you high? Did you not <laughs> did you not hear this song? Which, which again, you know, it has that, that little interlude in the center of the song where it, it shifts into a lower gear. Uh, that song. I really love everything on this record for the most part. I'm not seeing the flaws that Scott sees. And even though he's been a fan of the old 97s since 1995 or so, and I've been a fan of the old 97s <laughs> since a week and a half ago, I know I'm right. <laughs> Jesse? So
2: the, the two Grand Theater albums were at the, time, at the time when I started listening to the old 97s, these, I think they either came out just when I was starting or they had just come out, and I was not super impressed compared to their older stuff. And these have been the albums that have grown on me consistently over the years, especially Volume 1. Volume 2, there's some great stuff on there too, but Volume 1 I do think is consistently a good record, and it took me a long time to get to this place. Uh, you know, Every Night is Friday Night Without You... It's a fun song. It's probably actually not among my favorites, but I get why people like it, because it's fun. Um, it's a good sing-along. But, like, You Were Born to Be in Battle, mm. Let the Whiskey Take the reins. Are these sort of slower, more... Morbid is not really the right word, but just this... It's 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 a little more settled down and toned down, and Let the Whiskey Take the reins. I think, is an amazing song that brings back, like I mentioned a million times, that feeling of being on a train, and this one's just kind of... All the way through... Uh, I think a state of Texas might be my favorite song on this album because it's just fun. It's a little biography of where all these guys are from. It's kind of a, a love letter to their home state and I appreciate that I think you know a sense of place shows up in a lot of their music and this one is just a little uh, more obvious about it and I, I think it's a good ode to the great state of Texas For the
3: girls,
2: course you smoke too much is terrific too um that one's gotten i think more critical acclaim than some of the other songs that they've put out but yeah um this one it took me a long time to get to where i am on it but i do think it is well put together well done it's a departure from (sighs) some of their it's it's sort of i think they're letting themselves get a little more experimental on, on this with some of the slower stuff and some of the just more straight up like shout out garage rock, Mm. you know, every night is Friday night kind of tunes.
1: I guess, you know, one of the things about not having been a long time fan, like both of you is that I'm not as committed to them, like being in the genre that they are. And especially when you're like, you know, hoovering down an entire discography in one go, you know, the deviations always catch you by surprise. And those are the ones that really do jump out at you. And if they're successful shifts in tone, which I think this album is in a lot of places, those are, those those are things that I really appreciate. So I guess with that, Scott, explain to us why we're wrong.
0: Uh, you're not totally wrong. Look, the, I think the first half um, of of volume one is really very very good. The Grand Theater, the the title track, the first track. That's as as punky as they've been, right? That that's got a very almost clash vibe to it, like a London Calling sort of uh, sort of drum cadence to it, A very swinging rock song. Grand Theater is a great song. Uh, Every night is Friday nights, yeah. Uh, I, I like Dance Class quite a bit too. Dance Class has this up tempo melody, very solid bass line, and and uh, I think where Dance Class is is not quite classical ninety sevens, but you hear what the band does with it and it still has that 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 vibe to it. It works well. Champagne Illinois is a great, great song. Um but I, I think after Champagne Illinois is where things fall off about uh, fall off a bit for me uh, on the first uh, album. And then on volume two, look, the, the best songs are, are on volume one, which makes sense. There are still some highlights on volume two. I think Brown Her Daughter, the, the first track on, on the second uh, volume is very good. Perfume's very good. You hear a, a little honky-tonk piano on Perfume, and something I wanted to note too is with the old 97s... They'll use, I want to say, I'll, I'll use the word gimmick, but I don't mean it. They'll use a gimmick once and that's it. So like, this is the song that they use honky tonk piano on, but it doesn't come back in three or four songs on the album and it's not on the next album. It's, you know, if they want to do a little something different, they'll do it and, and leave it there, if that makes sense. And I do like that about them. Uh, so uh, perfume. And then Manhattan is, again, a uh, uh, uh A song that could have been on a Rhett Miller solo album. It sounds like a very personal song. I mean, Rhett lives just north of Manhattan, I believe, in New York. And it's, it's, you know, the narrator is over living in New York, basically, over being in Manhattan. But again, on this album, you hear what the band is able to bring to it and sort of flush out of it. Um, so I like Manhattan, too. Again, this I like this better than, than Blame It On Gravity, and it's not a bad album whatsoever. I, I'm not sure, in my mind, it's as consistent from start to finish as Jeff says it is. But the first half, the first half of Volume 1, uh, that's something people should hear, no doubt about it.
1: Yeah, by the way, I think of Volume 2 is like a, a, a really good bonus disc on the inevitable yeah. reissue of Grand Theater. It's good, <laughs> but it's not great, and you do kind of wonder like, you know, did you sabotage yourself by like releasing only the, you know, this isn't Use Your Illusions 1 and 2 or, you know, Kid a, and <laughs> a or Kid A and Amnesiac. This is clearly, yeah, you stacked it on the first one, and then you, you, you kept a couple of good ones here for the second one, and, and they're all in the beginning, and then the rest of it does tail off. But Jesse, you're gonna
2: say? I was gonna say, um, well I agree with all of that on on volume two, um, you know, brown haired daughter and perfume, uh, I'm a train wrecker, all pretty good. White port is a weird little yes. experimentation <laughs> in this experimental realm. And I assumed it it sounded like a pirate drinking song to me, but I have read an interview on the old 97s website where Murray says it is not a pirate song, it's a hobo song. <laughs> Uh, which, again, goes through the whole train theme, so it makes sense. Yeah. But, but,
1: but, just... but, but, but really now, JSC, aren't hobos just the pirates, pirates of, of the train. tracks?
2: Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Perfect. You're so right. You're so right.
0: <laughs> Making us yeah, appreciate it. Yes.
2: It's, it's, I've heard him play it live a couple times, and it's a fun live song, but I, it's not one that I'm like sitting around listening to, to at home because it just it feels like I'm supposed to be raising a glass of grog and getting drunk and dancing on a table or something. But, uh, it's like, that's a fun, pl- like, I appreciate that they did it. I appreciate that they stepped out and did something a little goofy and a little different. And I also like the, the instrumental, uh, Marquita, which is just like a nice little break. Um, I, I would really agree with the assessment of this is a pretty great bonus disc. Um, all things <laughs> considered there's, More good than bad, but it's not one that I'm going to come back to as much as I will to others
1: so that brings us to most messed up 2014 three more years pass, right they do a little ep a couple eps an old one that waylon jennings ep comes out and yes. it is pretty fun i've heard it and they did like a covers ep where they did uh like versions of like david bowie's five years Rocks and off. rocked off yeah. by the rolling stones which is like surprisingly faithful <laughs> like even is. down to like the middle eight with like the weird effects you know that you have on the original exile song uh, good stuff, actually. I like that, that EP a lot. Uh, but the next big release is Most Messed Up, <clears throat> which uh, Scott describes as the most punk-sounding album of their career, but I describe as the album where Rhett Miller curiously <laughs> discovers an affinity for the word f- this <laughs> songwriting. And yeah, we're going to bleep that one right on out of the show. Uh, but, but I guess I, I think this is, is, is a pretty great album. Again, it just seems like they don't ever seem to flag in their ability to deliver good music. I think what's a bit disarming about it for me uh, is that it's suddenly there's an embrace of like straight vulgarity, which is like I'm no blue nose for crying out loud. <laughs> I mean, anybody can you know, go back and listen to all the shows we've done on this this, this podcast. I, I got no hangups about that, but it, it just seems curiously out of character, given the restraint and the reserve that he's exhibited yeah. in his lyrics up until now. And now he's just throwing out F-bombs and, you know, MFers and, you know, you know he's just, you know, it's, it's a very blue record. Um, but uh, I will say this, that it has one of the best songs of their entire career on it, which is the one that opens it, uh, which is the one that I opened our show with, which is longer than you've been alive. Which is a, sh- a song about the band in every conceivable way, and it is. I mean, he even says like, "Yeah, I don't like self-referential songs," as <laughs> I said at the beginning. But there's just so many funny lines in it, you know, including like, you know, their drug habits. Like, yeah, we drink oceans and oceans of alcohol. Ooh, I can't even remember. You, Scott, might remember it, the exact the it's, way it's phrased. It's like, you know, and by the way, about alcohol,
0: yeah, there's been a lot oceans, oceans, and, oceans and oceans of it, mountains of and weed, I- a handful of pills, but none of the hard stuff that kills <laughs> yes,
1: perfect i love <laughs> So that. good it's so good and then there's that
0: other great line it was like rock jumps he's talking about like how he'll jump Ooh, off yeah.
1: the back of the speakers yeah. you know like the shows you guys talked about that already he says yeah rock jumps won't kill you until one of them does <laughs> but at least they'll say he died doing something he loves it's just a funny song i mean and these usually like self-referential songs about like the musician's life are snoozes this one is so fun Rock and roll has been very, very good to me. And you feel that he means it. Mm. What a great tune. One of the best songs in their entire career.
3: Well, it must be hard to get partnered with me. Some narcissism, some OCD. But love that comes easy to fake or a fluke. Love is a marathon sometimes with puke. There has been alcohol Oceans and oceans But that isn't all Mountains of weed A handful of pills None of the hard stuff That shit kills We've been doing it longer Than you've been alive Twenty good years Of about twenty-five. One, twenty-five One, two, three Rock and roll they been very, very good to me the Open all The only place I want to be I
0: can roll, very good to me. So yeah, look, this is not a kid-friendly album. You're not putting this <laughs> on the on the on the way to pick up the kids from school, right? There's a lot of profanity on here, but I think there's something to it in that I was I was so happy to hear "Most Messed Up." I think it's wonderful, and, and "Graveyard Whistling" too. The next one we'll get to. In that, you know, I wouldn't say treading water, but everything since "Drag It Up" has kind of been. I mean, it's been they've been good, but not any kind of. Breakthroughs, or you've got to hear this. And I think both of these last complacent. It sounded a little bit self,
1: just complacent, like yeah, we're gonna. It sounded like those late period Wilco
0: albums. Yeah, and they and they just totally break out of it here. And I don't know if maybe the the profanity use is is part of it, but they also are freed up to write about who they are now. Right, middle aged dads and husbands. There's a lot of middle aged dad husband type lyrics on this album. (laughs) They're a little more self aware, and it's as they said. Just let it go, guys. I mean, we are who we are at this at this point. Let's make, let's make this album that we really want to make and talk about things that are happening in our lives. And if we want to swear, we'll swear and we'll, 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 just, we'll just do it. Um, this is a 13-song, 39-minute album. And Longer Than You've Been Alive takes up six of those minutes. So these are tight, tight songs. Uh, there's a swagger and a, and a cockiness to some of these uh songs that have not been there the past few albums no ballads no true ballads either and even the one that is called this is a ballad is not is not a ballad um uh, so yeah longer than you've been alive is fantastic most messed up I love that closes the album um again self- referential too I love the line too it's uh it, yeah but it, it's not fair I had a head start there's only so many ways you can so many words you can rhyme with heart uh, and, he, and he's already used them all basically saying um, Nashville is such a raw song I love Nashville the yeah. way that Rhett's narrative kind of spills out and the way those lyrics dance around the melody there is so much profanity in that, on that song, though. I think it's one reason why perhaps it's not as well-loved as it should be, but that's, that's probably my favorite song from Most Messed Up. I love Nashville. I turned
3: left, turns into right. I turned sunshine into night. I got my ass kicked every fight. No, I couldn't get it right. I built chasms out of sand. I didn't understand why everything I planned ran like whiskey off my hands and my hands were never clean. Things I wish I'd never seen. I'd do anything to wake up from this mother dream. Dude, I got two the beginning, this the show. With dark in there, I know, and I got nowhere else to go. I need a place to hide, so I put away my pride and come inside, because I'm tired
0: of running. Wheels Off has a very satellite rides feel to it, kind of pop. Country uh, feel to it. The way it has this uh, this, this descending bass line in the verses, and then kind of an ascending guitar riff in the chorus. I love the way that's constructed. This from start to finish is just a a rockin' album. Even at times the band overpowers Rhett's lyrics, which rarely happens because, oh, his lyrics are so good, and he's the front man. But like on Intervention, the band is overpowering Rhett's delivery, which, uh, you know, he's buried in, in the mix. And it, it works for this album. Uh, I, I was so enthusiastic and so so happy to get this album.
2: Yeah, this is... The old 97s are back with a vengeance on this album. It is phenomenal um it is it, like injecting new energy into everything that they do mm-hmm. and i just i have to wonder when i've listened to this this album do they say f- more or do they say whiskey more because it's just like an endless stream <laughs> <laughs> like, and, and it's it's good like nashville is such a great song um the, the I'm, I'm trying to remember the exact lyric that i like but it's uh, you know, something that why everything i had r- ran like whiskey off my hands yes, like just yeah. seems like Great, great, quick like blink them and you'll miss descriptions that are so good of course longer than you've been alive is really fun I was skeptical you know when I was like oh a whole six minutes about of course you know <laughs> I want to hear six minutes about the old 97s but like does everyone else want to and yeah because they make it fun
3: it's they're so fun. Funny. It's, it's
1: <laughs> funny I mean it's like universal I mean like it, there's there's nothing Mope. about that that is mopey in any way it's just like yeah you know we've been doing it We, we that was like you know, 20 years out
0: of a 25 career like they, yeah. they
1: said like it's been a good 20 out of 25 <laughs> Which is such a
0: great line. It's so
1: good.
4: It's uh, so good. Or the line,
0: the line where Rhett says, you know, I, I don't have it right in front of me. But, you know, most shows are great, but, you know, I'll admit some nights I'm watching the clock. You know, it's a, it's a job sometimes.
1: Right. It's, just, it's a job. I mean, it, it's it a job that,
0: like, job. you don't have to be a musician to
1: relate to that. And every other musician hearing that can totally relate to that, too, because it's so universal.
2: So uh, around the time that this album came out was one of the times that I got to interview Rhett Miller and he was telling me sort of the process as he had written all of these songs that were raunchy and uh, full of more F-bombs than just about anything else. Was he brought them to the band and there was some internal strife and discussion as to should these be Rhett Miller solo songs or should they be old 97 songs because at least one or two guys in the band were concerned that you know they, they are dead with kids who play sports in the community and maybe they shouldn't be playing these songs in front of their kids or their friends. <laughs> and uh, eventually they came around. Everybody realized this is some of the best stuff that they had worked on in years and years and years. And they came through and we got most messed up.
0: Which, as I think we have all said, is a really kind of injection of vitality uh, into the band and, and into the songs. And I am so glad that it also continued, in my mind at least, into the next album, which is Graveyard Whistling, the most recent old 97s release. Um, and boy, I really think this is their most most consistent album start to finish since probably Drag It Up, right? I, I think at least going back that far from start to finish.
1: Let's stipulate. This came out last year. This yeah.
0: came out in February of last year, so it's a little over a
1: year old. I mean, this is fresh music from the band, uh, from a band that at this point puts out an album you know, maybe once every three years or so. Right. Uh, and uh, yeah, so this is this is brand new stuff, and it, it, it feels brand new and not old or dated or hack or cliche in any way. But again, Scott, you were going to say.
0: Yeah, I mean, good with God. Uh, with Brandy Carlyle doing the, uh, the the female portion, boy, is that a killer song? And I love, and it's not a callback necessarily, but it, it of course reminds you of the four leaf clover back and forth between the male and female protagonists in the story. Brandy Carlisle playing God in the uh, in the Good with God song, man, it's great the way that the, the you know Rett's part saying, "You know, I, I got no regrets, a uh, pretty good life. Wonder how God feels about it." And of course, God saying, "Man, you should be scared. I am not so nice. <laughs> I have broken all." People down who were better than you. Um, that is just a killer track, start to finish. It's one of probably their favorite old '97s track since uh, the new kid. Perhaps uh, "Bad Luck Charm" is an interest, interesting one to me. I am really enamored of that song, and it's not really typical old '97. It's not off the rails. It's not. You know, Phillips not going crazy on the kit. In fact, it, you could, you could, you could perhaps say Phillips almost on a click track I mean he is just keeping time back there everything is in line for this this song called Bad Luck Charm and I wonder if in in a way it's almost like the old 97's personal twist on like like the the cookie cutter factory country new country songs that are coming out um, because it is just it's it's kind of in that mold, but it's done so much better. I mean, the melody is just gorgeous. There are these wonderful harmony backing vocals, these oohs during the chorus that really lift it up and I love Bad Luck Jar. on half of the album, very spooky vibe. Uh, all who wonder are not lost, except for me, right? Um, and there's, um, well, toward the end, drinking song. Songs like it could have been a most messed up outtake. I read <laughs> somewhere that um, turns out I'm trouble was the was the hardest song for them to record for this album because it requires a bit of restraint in the way it's played. And deliberate. I think it turned out really fantastic. Uh,
1: yeah, that, that song reminds me of the anecdote that Neil Young used to always talk about with Helpless, the, the song that he did with Crosby, Stills, Dash, and Young. Mm-hmm. We said, like, I, I kept making them play it over and over again until yeah. it was 4 a.m. and they were too tired to play it. They were so tired that they played it as slowly as I needed it to be played. Yep. To that, play it with their level of restraint that it needed to be
0: played because the temptation is to just rock it up, but it needed to be yeah, that makes sense. the way it was. That makes sense to me. They recorded this one at the same studio they did Too Far to Care, and uh, there's no real direct comparison between the music, I think. I mean, it's not as if they're kind of barn burning in a Too Far to Care way. But I think start to finish, uh, as consistent as, as they've been in 15 years, and the highlights, like Good with God and, and, and Bad Luck Charm, to me, really stand out. So I, I, again, I was just knocked out by uh, kind of the return to form on Most Messed Up. I think Graveyard Whistling continues the winning streak.
2: Uh, Yeah, graveyard whistling is everything I hoped it would be. It's definitely worked its way into my heavy rotation. Of course, Brandy Carlisle should be the voice of God. (laughs) I I love that, (laughs) Um, and it's I I like that you said it's sort of the callback to Four of Clover. And I think bringing in the live show element, a cool thing that the band does with both of these songs now, is if they're touring with an opener who you know. Is toured with like Lydia Lovelace, Nicole Atkins, and um, some really talented female voices. They'll bring them up on stage for these songs, and you get just a million different iterations um, interpreted by the person who's singing that that particular duet. So I like the injection that those um, songs have put into their live shows.
3: About me. I wonder how she feels about me
2: love the song. Jesus loves you. Loves you. I think it's got some <laughs> of the goofiest, most, just, you know, tongue in cheek, silly Rhett Miller lyrics. He's got the whole world in his hands. I've got a lone star in a can and I'm bringing one over to you. <laughs> um, it's just, it, it, there's, there's some really good witty lyricism in that song. It's fun to try to keep up with. It's, it's one of the kind of tongue twistery ones of their catalog. It's fun to bop along with and dance with. It's just, it's a feel good song. Um, she hates everybody is another one that grew on me. Um, it's just a cute little song about a guy who's dating a misanthrope who he he can benefit from the fact that she hates everybody, but me, but he's always kind of worried that maybe he's not going to stay on her good side for too long. Uh, nobody is a good sleeper Murray song. Um, I don't want to die in this town is just a, it's such a great opener. It's such an indication of what's to come with that big sweeping, swelling uh, guitar sound yeah. and the and the drums kicking in. And it, it's I like the way it starts with "I don't want to die in this town" and ends with "Those were the days." That this feels like an album that's constructed it, it, with a with a purpose and an order in a way that some of the ones earlier in the or more more mid career, I guess, didn't feel that way. Got It's just a full album that tells a
1: story. I'm stunned that you know, you know. Again, you start from you know a band's origins, but they're sort of like you know recorded in a demo studio stuff with hitchhike to Rome, and you know they're they they're they you know they've got some they've got some pizzazz, they've got some spunk, but you know the sound isn't all there, but they got a lot of heart and then you know 25 years later they're still at it and this is just as fresh and vital a sound as anything they put out during their glory days the darkness on this album on graveyard whistling yes. which by the way the title says it all you know whistling past the graveyard you know you're you're just uh, <clears throat> pretending that your mortality isn't going to catch up to you and yeah, it's superstition but it, it ain't gonna help buddy because the reaper comes for everyone uh that first song that jesse mentioned i don't want to die in this town god i love that song i mean you know what, what's that opening lyric that, that, that grabbed me was the uh <clears throat> there's a highway frank was singing my way or maybe it was sid you know frank sinatra <laughs> of course and then, or sid vicious right sid vicious famous sex pistol suicide uh now i'm paying for what i did you know and then you know it has that hopeful thought I step on the gas get out of here i don't want to die in this town but you kind of get the feeling that, that maybe that guy is going to die in this town, right? And then the other one that that always gets me—that uh, I think is the, is is the best song on the record—is "All Who Wander." You no, know, again, no. just stark, dark, dark song. You know, "All Who Wander Are Not Lost." Famous phrase, but you know, "All Who Wander Aren't Lost." Just me, just me. You know, my signals and wires both get crossed. Remember back when you got lost with me? Just a sad song that says, you know, I must cling to the things that kill me. You know, I have to lose my heart's desire, wind up worn and wasted. I mean, that's a dark, emotional song. Cling
3: to that which kills me. I must lose my heart's desire. I must wind up worn and wasted with a flat screen.
1: This is a band with the maturity and the self-assuredness and the self-confidence to pull it off without a maudlin or over-sentimentalized bone in its body. And I guess in a way that is the essence of alt-country. Not no depression necessarily, because this is a depressed song, but alt-country in that they can pull off these sentiments without ever coming off as pathetic, you know, bathos with a B there's, 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 there's no, there's no self pity. Uh, there's none of, there's none of the cliched stuff that just makes you roll your eyes and think you've been hearing cliches. There's just some dark thoughts that are powerfully emotional and, and musically extremely rewarding. And I guess I'm just stunned when I got to the end of the old 97s discography to date, that they were still pulling it off the way that they have been for the last 25 years.
0: And there we are. The political beats look at uh, old ninety sevens. We should mention there are new releases on the way. Rhett Miller's got a solo album coming out in November, and and uh, due to popular demand, an old ninety sevens Christmas holiday album out this year called "Love the Holidays." I'm are so you are excited. you kidding me? This is gonna be like the new Bob Dylan Christmas album. Yes,
2: it's gonna be so great. I can't wait. I have
0: <laughs> already pre ordered him, uh, awaiting the, uh, the 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 delivery of the. Uh, I did. I got the. Uh, they have a like a candy cane colored uh, vinyl, and then I got the other one, which is like a green and red splatter. splatter. Yeah, that's the one I got. I really hope they sneak at least one F-bomb into a place. (laughs) Uh,
2: I hope so, too. I I ordered the candy cane one as well, and... They've actually um they have a Christmas song yes. out that was on a compilation a few years ago which is one of my favorite holiday songs. So I Wait wait look wait, wait, forward wait, wait to which one is it
0: It's
2: it's called uh Here It Is Christmas Time I believe. Um, yeah, that sounds right. Let me let me yeah. It's uh, also
0: on the album coming up too, so Yeah. yeah. There yeah, you go. So we're going to get it. Um,
2: it's And it's great. It's exactly what you would hope for from an old 97's Christmas tune.
1: So wow, we, fantastic. And now we are at
0: that time of the show. Scott, you want to yes, cue it up for us? Where uh, the three of us uh, introduce to you, the listener, the, the two albums we think you must own and the five songs from the old 97's catalog that you simply must hear. This is difficult stuff each and every time, but uh, but that's why we get paid the big bucks to do so. Our guest always gets the floor first, Jesse opoyen no i screwed it up i'm gonna edit that no out. you got it you Did got I? it ah, i'm still yeah. gonna edit it out okay. <laughs> <laughs> i gotta do all, all this editing anyway i'll, I'll take care of it. uh jesse opoyen from the capital times in wisconsin you have the floor your two albums and your five songs
2: okay i'm this is this is hard this is really hard um my initial decision was t- for two key albums too far to care and satellite rides But I want to put the caveat in that because graveyard whistling is so new, I think we need some time uh, to determine whether it bumps something out of the top two. Because it could. It could. Like, come back in a year and that could bump one of those two off of there. But I'm going to say too far to care in satellite rides, although I cheated a little bit. (laughs) Uh, Five key songs. This is also hard. Definitely up the devil's pay. Definitely designs on you. Big brown eyes four-leaf clover and valentine but I want good with God and streets of where I'm from to be able to bump one of those off too. I can't just pick five. I'm so sorry. Hey,
1: Listen, listen Jesse, do you know how many times in this show I have just like cited host privilege and named like six or seven songs? <laughs> like, you know, we're, we're, we're not real
0: sticklers for this. Yeah. We're not, we're not going to delete the episode because. Oh, we named them. Thank God. <laughs> uh, all right. Scott. All right. So I, I, uh, I'm sharing Jesse's albums uh, too far to care. For that, for that, you know, beginning alt country uh, train sound, and then of course satellite rides, which I think is even better. Those, those two, man, those two albums are just perfect in my mind. Just perfect. There's not a bum song on either album. I guarantee it to you. Uh, songs, very difficult. Okay, I'm gonna go back to uh, wreck your life. And tell you to go listen to The Other Shoe Which again I think is the very first Perfect Rhett Miller written song Those lyrics are magnificent The playing is, is, is fits the song Just right So I'm going to say The Other Shoe Off of Too Far to Care There are so many options uh, I'll help Jesse out a bit here And it's not a lie uh, Streets of Where I'm From um, Definitely go get Streets of Where I'm From With some of Rhett's best, best lyrics Best couplets in Streets of Where I'm From from Fight Songs, Jagged, Ken's guitar just sounds perfect. And again, that if you're going to say, hey, here's the old 97s, here's what they do. Jagged's a pretty good representation from that guitar to the lyrics to the sing-along the chorus. Jagged. From Satellite Rides, I'm taking Buick City Complex. Uh, talked about that earlier in the show. And this last one, uh, man, um, I think the new kid is so great. Uh, you know what? As long as you, there are no kids around, Nashville from mm, from uh, from uh, most messed up. Uh, Nashville, again, except for the profanity, which prevents it from being perhaps a bigger, uh, more popular song, mus- you know, musically and lyrically, and the way Rhett delivers that—that's a kind of a throwback, the way he delivers the lyrics on on Nashville. So I'll put Nashville in the five slot from from most messed up, Jeff. Oh, well, my! My picks have been a moving
1: target during the entire show. I'm gonna, lie, I'm gonna lie. When I when we started, I was gonna just pick too far to care, and then I was gonna pick fight songs. And then the more I thought about it, the more I thought, well, you know, I really have to have the courage of my convictions. And even though I know that I'm the noob here, I'm gonna go with Grand Theater. Grand Theater Volume 1 is is the other one I would pick. I really think that album, you know, it it may have had to take time to grow on long-term fans of the old 97s, but for somebody who just came to it fresh, like I did, with no preconceptions, that is a stunningly well- Put together record of vital songs, and 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 there is actually was difficult for me to actually choose the one from that album that I would use in my five key songs. I had to prune it down, um, which actually gets me to my five key songs. First one, time bomb for crying out loud, opening song <laughs> off a, of a Too Far to Care. I mean, just the twang, the the attitude, the snottiness. if you don't like that song, you know you know what. You might not like the old 97s. I don't know. It's impossible to dislike. Second one I'll pick is Broadway, also off of Too Far to Care. I love that chorus. I love the the sort of quiet self, uh, the, the biography of that song. You know, Rhett Miller's does end up running a lot of music about himself, about the band's experiences, and he manages to do it without you know making it sound self-indulgent and i love you know you know i was just sitting up there and they were throwing so much money at me that they made a monster out of us uh but they didn't really make a monster out of this band they've always really kind of remained fairly grounded fairly sensible i'll pick is off of fight songs that's oppenheimer uh scott might not like it but i do i think it's a fantastic (laughs) pop song i love those clangorous bell sounds um the fourth one i'll pick is i will remain off of blame it on gravity it's a really underrated pop song a really underrated melody fantastic one and um I guess the fifth one I will pick is uh, Please Hold On While The Train Is Moving, off of Grand Theater Volume 1. Uh, just a really, really great song, uh, kind of structured in a much more adventurous way than your typical old 97 song. They, they, they dive into a completely different uh, sound in the middle of the interlude on that song. And because I can do what I care to on this show, I'm going to pick a sixth song, and that'll be longer than you've been alive. First song <laughs> off of Most Messed Up. There's your old 97's biography. There's your rock biography. Every little couplet on that song is going to make you smile. It's just a joy to listen to. And that is something to say about a country rock song
0: that runs for nearly six minutes. Just fantastic in every respect. Old 97s and political beats. We thank our guest. uh, Jesse Opoyan, political reporter for the Capital Times in Wisconsin, host of the Wisconsin Politics Podcast called Wedge Issues, featuring interviews with candidates, strategists, and other players in the Wisconsin politics world. Find her on Twitter at Jesse Op. Ie Jesse, thank you so much for taking part of your day to join us on Political Beats. I am so glad to find someone who loves old ninety seven as much <laughs> as I do, and uh, the fact we were able to convince Jeff about their greatness too. Mission accomplished. Oh, I feel
2: like this is a huge win. Yeah, thank you, <laughs> guys yeah, you so you much. Guys for... got,
0: you got another member of the church over here. You know, this
2: is good. This is if you keep up the evangelism. We're gonna we're gonna make this spread. <laughs>
0: Thank you, Jesse. Jeff Blair, find him on Twitter at EsotericCD. Looking forward to our next episode, sir. I
1: cannot wait, and I have no idea. Genuinely, for the first time, I have no idea what's coming next. No, we
0: got like three, but but they're in a holding pattern, so now we have to figure out what we're going to do for the for the next one. We, we will see. Uh, you can find me on Twitter, at Scott Bertram. Invite you to also uh, talk to the show, at Political underscore Beats on Twitter. And please subscribe to our feed for new episodes, iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, TuneIn, or right there at NationalReview.com and click on podcast to find it. Listen, enjoy, share. Please leave reviews as well. This has been a presentation of National Review. This is Political Beats.